This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find more of our work at obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts, and you can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer. You can also find um, us on Twitter at the aforementioned Twitter handles, and find our other podcasts on Twitter at OVAnthologyPod and at TowerJunkiesPod. Um, this week on the podcast, we are sponsored once again by our friends over at Horror Movie Yearbook, a podcast exploring uh, horror, the horror movie genre by taking a few different titles from a specific year and reviewing them and contextualizing them into the year that they were released and the pop culture and current events of that year. You can find that at HM Yearbook on Twitter and at HorrorMovieYearbook.com. And thank you once again to Horror Movie Yearbook and the Midwest Podcast Network for sponsoring this week's episode of The Obsessive Viewer, which, Tiny, today we're talking about Star Wars. The Star Wars is... We are. And how are you doing today? I'm good, sir. Good, good. Are you excited to talk about The Last Jedi? Totes my goats. Nice, nice. Um, And, of course, before we do that, I do have a few things that I want to kind of go over, um, some news items and such. Um, The first thing is that... I got bored and I re revamped the Patreon reward tiers and reward levels. Um, so what you'll notice if you go to patreon.com slash obsessive viewer is that now anyone who um, supports us on Patreon with a minimum donation of $1 now gets access to an exclusive RSS feed that is going to have um, exclusive bonus uh, commentary, movie commentary tracks that I'll be recording. And I don't know if Tiny will get in on it at all or not, but, um, what I'm going to be doing is occasionally I'll just record a movie commentary track and throw it on that as kind of a bonus for people who support us on Patreon because we really like getting money and we really <laughs> like having, uh, you guys support us. So, um, it's going to be just basically kind of sporadic. Um, I'm going to try to hit one every month, maybe, um, but we'll see how, how that goes. But it'll be just basically when I'm in the mood to watch a movie and if it's something that's really familiar to me, I'll just record a commentary track, throw it on there, and then you can listen to it um, on there. So uh, go support us at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer and uh, yeah, check out the new reward tiers also because I updated them and changed them around and stuff. So um, speaking of Patreon, Tiny, um, our friend and Patreon supporter, Matt and Draco. Uh-huh. Uh, I had some conversations with him after uh, we released our episode, uh, our last week's episode, in which, if you listen to it, the end uh, at the end of our uh, potpourri section last week, we discussed the um, Fifty Shades of Grey series. Yes, we did. Yes, and how in February there is going to be a Fifty Shades marathon of all three movies. In the theater, a total runtime of, I believe it's five hours and five and a half hours. Jesus. Yeah, so we had said that 
hey, if someone wants to pay for our tickets, we'll go to it. Oh, boy. And I got a message. Uh, pretty much, it, it was actually, I hadn't even posted the episode yet. <laughs> um, he had, um, he had, we were talking about it to him when we saw the fourth, or the last Jedi. And the next day he said, so I looked into the 50 shades marathon. I'm not sure if I'm more surprised that $25 per person or that they're selling children's tickets. <laughs> um, and I said, yeah, that's amazing. That's written. $25 is really cheap. And he said, yep, we may have to make this happen. Oh God. And, uh, so he went on to say, I think if you tiny and Fecus would go, I could sponsor this. $75 is totally worth it. Jeez. Um, yeah. Yep. And uh, let's see. Oh, and then I was also really proud of this. He said, the real question is, since you hate taking bathroom breaks during a movie, what would you do for an eight hour showing? And so I said, I would hold it in and use the pain and discomfort as a way to identify with the main character's journey as a submissive person in a BDSM relationship. <laughs> um, so uh, let's see. Yeah. So and then and then uh, a couple of days later, he said. Uh, so are you guys still serious about the 50 shades trilogy viewing? I'll pay for two to three people to go. If you can coordinate it, <laughs> drinks, drinks and concessions are on you. As long as you don't tell my wife, she will tell me I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so tiny. I left that with telling him that I would ask you about it if you were, uh, still interested. So I'm putting you on the spot. Are we going to go to a 50 shades marathon? I'm game. Fuck. <laughs> I'm game. <clears throat> awesome. Well, you heard it. You heard it, Matt. Let's <laughs> let's do this. Um, oh God, this is going to be an interesting experience. Sure is. Um, yep. And then I think probably you know what would be really cool because I'm assuming that they'd have obviously breaks in between each movie, and if we're not too busy like just fanning ourselves from how hot and bothered we are, totally. But we should do like a Facebook Live thing after uh, each one. Yeah, we should. Yeah. So yeah, so that 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 could happen. That could happen, guys. Boy. Huh. Our subscriptions will go through the roof. Oh yes, oh yes. I'll be passing out cards and and uh, and flyers and stuff at the at the at the screening. Yeah. Also, just my phone number. Our numbers will um, go up at the crack of a whip. Right. <laughs> uh, okay. So enough about us. I have two pieces of news that I want to want to throw at you. We'll be dominating um, the iTunes charts. Yeah. Oh God! I just see what you did there with the, about the whip. God damn it! <laughs> I, tiny. Like, I thought you got it. I didn't. I didn't. Oh, Matt. That that just kind of, I don't know. It, it kind of went over my head like a feather, <laughs> or or like a teasing with a. Fe- anyway, okay. um, that was a bit of a stretch. But. Yeah, yeah. It's I I kind of. Tied myself up on that one. Um, <laughs> oh boy! Um, so we haven't really had a chance to talk about this big piece of news that happened um, recently. But Disney bought 21st Century Fox, which includes Fox FX, Fox Searchlight, uh, 20th Century Fox Movies. Like they, they bought Fox, right? Um, like ninety percent of Fox. Yes. So. <clears throat> Tiny, what do you think about this thing? Uh, it's a little alarming just because Disney has their hand. There's they got a lot of cooks, a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. That's not the right analogy. They um, got a, their iron, irons and a lot of fires. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, they've just got a lot going on, and it's I don't know. I guess 
competition is a good thing and they're eliminating competition and that's mm-hmm. that's the downside of this but I like what they're doing with Star Wars and Marvel mm-hmm. and you know all that stuff so I uh, on the surface it seems fine because I think they're treating their other properties that they've recently acquired very well and I'm liking what they're doing with them so in that sense it's good but on the, but again you know I just worry about the competition aspect of it yeah, and that's that's kind of where I am too. I'm I'm kind of really uncomfortable about it just because they are just getting a monopoly on things on the entertainment industry. Like right. The big thing like this Fox deal, like I'm not a fan of Avatar at all, but I mean it's the biggest it's the highest grossing movie of all time and James Cameron is apparently going to have sequels at some point. Um yeah rather than just talk about them. I don't know if they're actually filming yet or not. But anyway, but now Disney owns Avatar. Like that's just part of Avatar. So like where's the competition? Like where if they if Avatar were to come out and Disney didn't own that property or that didn't own Fox and it were to outperform Star Wars, which I don't think would happen. Um but just on the off chance that it repeats the original's success, where's the incentive for Disney to up the ante with the Star Wars franchise or the Marvel franchise. Right. Like there is no incentive because they're, they're getting the money anyway. Same as with Fox and everything is that, okay. Um, Deadpool and Logan, both R rated movies, both very, very different in tone, but very R rated and kind of bucks the trend of superhero movies of this current generation. Um, that those were made because they wanted to do something different or they, they necessitated something different. They needed something different from, you know, Marvel and everything. Mm-hmm. Now they're at Disney. Disney has said that they, they would still have like, I think Bob Iger, Iger said something like, uh, he said like, I could see us having like a Marvel R franchise, like R rated Marvel movies, huh. which I mean, sure, that's fine. But it's also like, there's not going to be that that creative urge to create something that's different from the rest because they're all lining the mouse's pockets. Yeah, it'd be it'd be like they were they're doing it because it was successful not because it's the creative. Right. Not the not because it's the creative direction that everyone involved wants to take. Yeah, exactly. It's not a creative decision, it's a business decision. Yeah, and like if you look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like we were fans of that franchise and everything. Yeah. But there's no mistaking that they follow a formula and they they're very much kind of churned out of a machine and it's yeah it's just a bummer because like if you look at like the trailer for the new mutants that josh boone is making uh in the x-men franchise that's coming out in i think march um that looks freaking incredible yeah and i'm just afraid that that's gonna like the x-men franchise or or the these other franchises that are under fox will lose that kind of in uh um lose that kind of mystique and that that different different quality yeah that's yeah. definitely a possibility yeah also i heard that you know five to ten thousand people are going to lose their job over this deal right so right. that's also kind of a huge bummer true and then also like fox searchlight is you know they do like independent movies and they one of the big issues that i've heard um about this deal is that time was when you wrote a movie or you wanted to get a movie produced, you had Fox, 
uh, 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 oh my god, you had so many different <laughs> studios yeah. to go to. Now there's one less because they're all under the roof of Disney. Yeah, it's like now it's going to be harder for original products or original films to be created and it's true. put out. But then again, Netflix and Amazon are doing their thing, so maybe I don't know. Yeah, although Netflix's new movie Bright is has gotten some really terrible reviews. Oh, really? Yeah, like really bad. I was uh, never all that excited about it. I would. I mean, I was kind of curious, but not very excited. Uh, I think. Uh, I don't remember what outlet it was that did this, but the the end like line of their uh, of their review was um, basically saying that's the worst movie of 2017, in that it's worse than the Emoji Movie because even uh, because the Emoji Movie uh, knew that it at least put it as a piece of shit on screen and at least <laughs> put it in a bow tie. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. So, anyway, is it worse than the Dark Tower. <clears throat> yeah, well, yeah. Oh God, that. <laughs> fuh. Yeah. Anyway, Anyways. so so yeah, so that's the Disney and, and Fox deal. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I know a lot of people are kind of concentrating on the whole fact that oh, Marvel is now Marvel Studios now has the X Men and um, and Daredevil or not Daredevil but Deadpool and um, Simpsons. Simpsons also, which yeah. yeah. And then, um, wow. Oh, Fantastic Four. So, you know. Right, right. The Marvel Cinematic Universe now has more characters to play with, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But it'll be interesting in about a year and a half or so whenever they come out with their streaming service, because Disney's having their own dedicated streaming right. service. Um, with them having access to all this stuff, um, I if I were Netflix, I'd be kind of shitting my pants a little bit. Yeah. Apparently, um, some of the uh, there are contracts with Netflix for a lot of Disney content, but mm. once that expires, it's going to be gone. Yep, from yep. Netflix. And then, an interesting part of the deal is that apparently Fox had a, I don't know if it's a majority share or just a very large share of Hulu. Oh, interesting. So Disney now owns a big chunk, if not a majority, of Hulu, and so there's talks. Yeah. You know, are they just going to learn about you know, use that as a springboard for their own uh, streaming service, or are they basically going to just merge Hulu into a Disney? Jesus, and just kind of do away with what Hulu does huh. now. I think that'd be silly to do that. Yeah, because while Hulu is far behind Netflix, it's still a successful service. Yeah, and so I think they should keep that. Um, huh. I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious what they're going to do with their streaming service because Disney. Mm are some stingy assholes with their yeah. content. You know, the whole vault thing. Oh, They'll release yeah. something from the vault. And for me, if they do anything less than taking all of their content and putting it on a streaming service, I will be Ooh. disappointed. Oh, yeah. I'm talking, I want to see Steamboat Willie on their on <laughs> right. their streaming service. Like, <laughs> they need to take everything and put it on there. And if they don't, I think that will be... A, it's just so unfair to their fans. Yeah. That that's what makes me mad about it. Like I I grew up watching certain movies and I don't have kids yet, but like a lot of my mm -hmm. friends have kids. Like my friends who grew up watching Little Mermaid every week or mm -hmm. grew up watching Pocahontas or Aladdin or whatever, they want to share that with their children. Yeah. And that's that can be pretty difficult to do now because of the whole vault thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. But if they put it on a streaming service, that would be huge. Mm -hmm. That would be so big. I wonder, and do they still do the vault thing? I'm pretty sure. Okay. 
I'm pretty sure because if you go look up certain DVDs, they're like if you look them up on Amazon, they're like forty five dollars because mm-hmm. they haven't been in print for five years or right. fifteen years or whatever. Yeah. That's the reason why I have that edition of Toy Story. Yeah, uh, that is a chi- like I think Chinese like import thing. It's Toy Story: The Ultimate Toy Box DVD. Really? Yeah, because back in high school, uh, I wanted Toy Story and Toy Story Two on DVD. Couldn't find it anywhere because yeah. they were gone. So it's, it's so shitty. Yeah, for like my birthday or Christmas or something. My right sister got me like that. And it, from it's just, it boggles my mind because it's like yeah. it would be a good business decision because they'd make a crap ton of money off mm. of it, and it would also make their fans happy. So like it's a win-win situation. I don't. Under, I just don't understand the whole vault thing. And yeah, I have a feeling their streaming service is going to be frustrating. I probably it, it at the very least it'll have a pretty big uh, kind of learning curve for yeah. It. To so. them, um, but we'll see what happens. Right. Um, I'm actually pretty happy with the movies anywhere thing that I think that they have. Let's see, I think that they they have it. Uh, I think it's them. I, I don't know, but anyway, what I like is that they're um, Disney like digital copies and stuff. Like if you if you do like a digital copy for iTunes, like there's no chance you like you can only watch that damn thing on iTunes, right? And but with like movies anywhere and the Disney rewards uh site um basically when you redeem a code on Amazon or not on Amazon but on on that website movies anywhere from a Disney thing like you can link your Google Play or whatever um account to that and so like I have a ton of Disney movies that I redeemed that I can now watch on my preferred streaming thing uh of digital copies of that's nice yeah so it's 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 nice so hopefully they'll hopefully it'll be fine yeah but we'll see the streaming service isn't for another it's not going to be out until 2019 anyway right right um but i kind of wonder what it's going to be like if they do like if they knock it out of the park out of the gate with all the stuff that they have i kind of wonder what netflix like i kind of wonder if and this is kind of long term i kind of wonder if Disney is going to do to Netflix what Netflix did to Blockbuster. Yeah. Um I kind of wonder if that's if that's where we're headed, but we'll we'll see. I hope not. Yeah. I I don't I don't think so. Yeah, it's cuz Netflix's bread and butter is their original stuff now anyway. So. Right. And they're <clears throat> until Disney buys them out. Yeah. Um so who knows. Oh, gosh. That Ugh. man, that I don't So how much was the Fox deal? It was like it wasn't it like twelve billion dollars. It was something ridiculous. It was a ridiculous um, number. Yeah. And so you know, ten years ago, I'd be like, nobody's gonna buy a company for ten billion dollars, right? Because that's how much Netflix would be. It'd be it'd be ten, fifteen, twenty billion dollars to buy Netflix. I was like, yeah, you know, and I would think, no, there's no way someone's gonna, you know, mm-hmm. put that much money together. But here we are. They bought Fox for yeah a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah, I'm trying to look up how much money it was, but. From what I understand, though, to sort of play devil's advocate, Jesus Christ. How much was it? $52.4 billion. 52. That is insane. That is nuts. You could buy several countries for that. Right. What? My God. Oh, my oh. God. But anyway. Wow. Um, I had I thought I had no idea it was that much money. Yeah. Good God. Jeez. Okay. Um. But yeah, uh, um, kind of on the on the, I guess the bright side, or t- um, to play devil's advocate, 
uh, Bob Iger, Iger actually said that uh, what I understand is that this this 20th Century Fox thing in this Fox buy, purchase is it's because okay under Bob Iger's leadership, Disney has bought Pixar, Marvel, Lucasfilm, and now Fox. And my understanding is that he is he has said I believe that he said that he won he wanted to buy Fox as like his last big acquisition before he retires. Okay. So maybe that'll be the end of their you know expansion expansion and and you know monopolizing and crazy Empire. stuff. Empire, yeah, yeah. Um, but we'll see. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Um, and you know I talk often about how. I look forward to the days where our content is app based and mm-hmm. you know there's no longer you don't turn on your TV and flip through channels anymore. Mm-hmm. You go to the NBC app or you go to mm-hmm. the Major League Baseball app or you go to the National Geographic app, the Pornhub app. Porn, thank you. <laughs> and that's all that's all there is anymore. There's no more channel surfing, there's no more yeah. And what's holding that up, I think what's supporting the traditional system now is largely sports mm-hmm. because talking about billions and billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, so if and the NFL would just say, you know what, screw you, Fox and CBS, we're going to go all into the NFL network and it's going to be a completely streaming service. And mm-hmm. you can literally just go to your NFL app and pick whichever game or two you want to watch and just watch those games. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be a huge bargaining chip. And I, I'm waiting for one huge, huge conglomerate like that to make that jump as a catalyst to launch everything that way. And maybe this Disney thing would be integral in that. But I just talked about how I'm not sure how good it's going to be. So, but that's right. because of Disney's behavior, not because yeah. of anything else. Like, and if I'm on, un- if I understand correctly, granted, I am not the audience for this, but I think you can get like live streaming sports on like Hulu or something. You or can, yeah. There's there's ways to do it now, but but not like a turn on your TV and go to the NFL app. I want it to be the point where like like they don't. I want it to be the point where they don't even show sports on like CBS anymore. Oh, gotcha. Like the like the NFL has its own app and that the only way you mm-hmm. can get there is to go on the NFL app and, and watch the game. Right. Same thing with, I love, I wish the NCAA would just make their own app mm-hmm. or at least the conferences would make like the, the big 10 has their, has a big 10 network. They have their own mm-hmm. channel and they show all kinds of sports on there. I wish they would just have their own app and you could just watch any big 10 sporting event that you want. God, that'd be so cool. You know, and I'm not even a sports fan, but like yeah. I just if that were a possibility, I would just be like that would blow my mind. Like that would yeah. on behalf like for sports fans, I'd be like that would be pretty incredible. Yeah. The MLB uh, has a version of it on right. the, on the Roku. Uh my uh brother and father-in-law are big mm-hmm. Cleveland Indian fans. Oh, nice. Um, cuz that's where my father-in-law's from. Mm-hmm. Um but you they can't there those games are not on television here in in central Indiana. Right. But my brother-in-law has he pays like I think ten or fifteen dollars a month for an MLB subscription. He can just go on oh. his Roku and watch watch the whole game, Jeez. every single game that he wants to. That's insane. Yeah. So I I just I want that to I want that to be the norm. Right. And maybe this is a step in that direction with the whole Disney thing. We'll we'll see. Yep. We'll see. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So 
Anyways, that was a bit of anyway, a tangent. Oh, no, that's fine. Uh, last piece of news is something that I am really not sure about. So NBC is eyeing a potential revival of The Office. Yeah, I saw you for post next about year. this. I haven't read anything about it. Yeah, so there was talks. There were there was talk about it for a while, and Greg Daniels, the the showrunner, the the kind of uh, the executive producer of The Office, had always said that, yeah, maybe someday, you know, maybe someday we'll do it. But I guess there are now talks that are more serious about NBC wanting to bring it back um, sometime in late two, 2018 for a revival with. Uh, like Steve Carell would not be involved, but there would be a mix of old and new characters in the mix, and uh, it would still be Dunder Mifflin Scranton, and that's about all the information that I gleaned from the articles and stuff. So, Tiny, what do you think about this? I'm not into it at all, really. Yeah. Too much of a good thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I've said that plenty of times. I think the show went on too long as it was yeah um yeah I, i'm not into it at all same here and it's i don't know i mean i i can see why they would want to cash in on you know the whole revival thing but uh, yeah like the office kind of outstayed itself a little bit like it, it yeah. kind of it was really kind of it kind of limped to the finish line for for me at least yeah um though like re-watching it uh, with the context of the entire series, like it's it's still watchable, it's still fun, but it's just the the quality really really dips after Steve Carell leaves. Yeah, and then I just I don't know. I felt like the finale was was a really great way to to end the series, and I don't I don't see a reason for it to come back. It's it's hundred percent cash grab. So yeah, That's, I definitely agree. I mean, that doesn't feel right to me. Like. uh like Jeff Goldblum says in in uh, Jurassic Park, they had their shot, they played their hand, and they lost, or whatever he says. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, nature oh, yeah. selected them for extinction. Yeah, for extinction. Yeah. Something gotcha. like that. You yeah. Know. Did you see the Jurassic World two trailer? By the way, sure did. Yeah. Oh Again. yeah, yeah. Because it played before. <laughs> Speaking Star Wars. of something else, I'm not that excited for. Right. <laughs> yeah, man. I I that's like one of the most underwhelming trailers I've seen in a long time. Absolutely. And I don't know I can't even put my finger on why. I haven't really thought about it a lot. Mm-hmm. But do, can can you point to any reason why that just looks so underwhelming? I honestly think for me at least it's because the first Jurassic World, the fourth movie in the franchise uh-huh. was so such a disappointment to me. Okay. And just didn't even register with me. As being like like it didn't it didn't even really I saw it it was fine I think we kind of railed against it a little bit but I mean it's just, I haven't I haven't given two more thoughts to it yeah uh, since then and I think that uh, first of all I think my cat's about to fall out of this, these boxes this is gonna be hilarious oh boy but um but I think that the the problem I had with the trailer for this new one is that. It tried really hard to hit, not even really tried really hard. It attempted to play on the nostalgia of the Jurassic Park franchise. Uh-huh. Um, it tried to. None of the, none of the, um, nostalgia or anything, uh, none of the nostalgia beats in, in the trailer hit me at all. Like even seeing yeah. Jeff Goldblum again, uh, 
um, saying, uh, repeating his kind of iconic line, the life finds a way. Yeah. Um, even seeing that, like hearing that, it didn't, it didn't do anything for me. Yeah. And I think part of that is also because it's just a very dry read of it. Like he's very, it's, it's, he, he's, he's testifying in front of like a, right. a subcommittee or something. And it's like, that's so, uh, against what the what his yeah. character was in the in the first one even the second one mm-hmm. and it just felt ah uh, it just uh it just doesn't doesn't look good yeah very very underwhelming i feel like uh part of it is i i feel like uh it seems like the plot to this movie is going to sort of betray for lack of a better term the traditional conflict of the series mm-hmm. because in this, the series, the conflict is driven by greed. Mm-hmm. It's all about some asshole wanting to capitalize on this miraculous discovery of creating new dinosaurs. Um, it's the first one's kind of hubris, but it's sort of greed in, in, in a certain term, but it's always the, the villain is always a person, you know, it's always yeah. a, a human. Whereas this seems like it's, it's bordering on like an altruistic, explore exploration or like Mm -hmm. trying to save the dinosaurs it just seems to be sort of in violation of what the franchise has been about traditionally even even the the latest one the fourth one um jurassic world was it was about greed you know they tried to crossbreed dinosaurs into this crazy thing to keep the you know to keep the park alive and keep the park interesting keep people coming there it was about greed and you know human hubris Mm -hmm. uh uh, humankind's hubris, but this doesn't seem like that, and it just felt off. It felt like something. It just, it just didn't feel right to me. I think yeah. that's that's part of it, um, amongst other things. Yeah, same here. Not I will. Yeah, I will say that I did appreciate or I did enjoy the use of the song at the beginning of it. Um, I don't even remember the name of it, but it's a song that uh, is used in Black Mirror in the episode Fifteen Million Merits. Okay. Um, and then also it's used also in Men Against Fire in season three of Black Mirror. So I appreciated that because it made me think of something that I love. Um, <laughs> That's all it gets. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so, Tiny, last Thursday, you and I went to see Star Wars: The Last Jedi. We sure did. Uh, we went with Fekis, uh, Fekis's brother, uh, Matt and Draco. And a bunch of other people, uh, former uh, one-time guest, Sam Nelson. Yes. Yep. Who I just found out uh, they're having another baby. Wow. Yeah. Churning them out. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Congrats. Um, yep. So anyway, um, uh, so yeah, uh, what was I going to say? Um, so we saw it. Um, we sure did. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk just briefly um, of course, we're going to go into a spoiler, non-spoiler review, and then a spoiler review. We'll we'll give you a a heads up. But uh, before we go into our actual review of the Last Jedi, let's talk about our preparation for it, our expectations for it, what we were expecting going into it, and uh, how we were feeling going into the Last Jedi. Tiny. Well, um, I was I was expecting the movie to kind of stick to the franchise formula that we've become accustomed to, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, that 
reference the original trilogy and the prequels, you kind of get this uh, sort of borderline introductory first movie in A New Hope and the Phantom Menace. Then you get a sort of darker sequel where secrets are revealed and characters are developed and honed. And then you get a big climactic third movie, uh, as in Return of the Jedi and uh, Revenge of the Sith. Um, and so I was expecting kind of the, the darker sequel where secrets are revealed and all that. And that's what I was, you know, Luke, I am your father and all Ooh. that crap. I was expecting something like that. And I would have, I think I would have been happy with, with, uh, something like that. And so that's what I was expecting going into the movie. Um, yeah, that's what I was looking And I was looking forward to all that too. Nice. So that was, yeah. Yeah. I was kind of, a. Uh... I was expecting something like that as well. I was expecting kind of a, um, like you said, like the second second movies in each trilogy. Yeah. Like I mean, like the Luke, I am your father. The I hate sand. It's coarse. It gets everywhere. <laughs> like yeah, I was expecting those moments. <laughs> um, no, uh, kind of. First of all, my preparation. I actually watched all the movies before seeing the Last Jedi. Damn, all of them, all seven. Wow. Yep. Uh, and I watched them in order, uh, timeline chronological order. So right. I watched the prequels and then Rogue One and then A New Hope and the original trilogy. Wow. Yep. And then, and then Force Awakens. Oh, almost forgot about that one. <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I did all that. And in doing that, I think I mentioned this last week, but in a post Dark Tower movie world, I actually enjoyed them quite a bit. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I was kind of an asshole a couple of years ago, but I'm <laughs> softening up a little bit. Um, may or may not have bought a couple of, uh, Funko Pops. Nice. And a handful of comics. Comics. I saw the comics. Yep. Uh huh. Cool. And, uh, also might be listening to the, uh, the Thrawn audiobook. Nice. And have Lords of the Sith also on Audible. Look at you. I know. I know. Are the comics still, uh, is it Dark Horse? Uh, Marvel. It's Marvel now? Okay. Yeah. Um, Dark Horse used to do all the Star Wars. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, but I figured they jumped over to Marvel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just curious. Yep. And, uh, I've read a little bit of it. And, I mean, it's good. Like, yeah. There's like the Star, the actual Star Wars one is, follows, uh, the Rebels after A New Hope. And the first okay. like volume is actually pretty good. Nice. And it's canon, right? Yeah, yep, it's yeah. canon. So, um I was excited for The Last Jedi. I was I was excited and one of my favorite things to do is just troll Star Wars fans. Yes. Um so I was excited to to get new things to to troll people with. Like I had sent a snap a Snapchat to Fecus uh, a day or two before we saw Last Jedi because I was watching The Force Awakens and the snap was just a video of the like Star Wars and then the crawl and then the text that I sent was I'm I'm and I've enjoyed my rewatch so much I'm rewatching A New Hope <laughs> and it was the crawl for Force Awakens because that's yeah. the same goddamn movie. You're hilarious. Um I was so proud of that. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so that those were our expectations. Um Kind of in broad terms, non-spoilers, what did you think about The Last Jedi and where does it rank with you uh, with the in the franchise itself and where does it rank with you in the uh, the Disney movies? Okay. Um, I really, really, really loved it, which nice. is not a shocker. Um, I was, of course, bound to, to love it, but I, I, I liked it even more than I thought I would. 
Um, it surprised me in so many different ways. Uh, it's, I think, I think I like it better than, uh, the force awakens. And that's not really too hard of a decision not to shit on the force awakens, but, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely better. I think, um, in the, in the Disney, in the Disney movies, uh, since they took over, definitely number one, um, in the franchise as a whole, it's top. It's a top three, or I think. Um, nice. I think it's up there with a New Hope and uh, um, um, Empire. Empire Strikes Back. Thank you, Jesus. Um, <laughs> I think it's up there with those. I, I really do. Um, I don't. It's not. It's not the best. It's not my favorite. Mm-hmm. But it's it's up there. I mean, it's it just and it's kind of hard to talk about it without spoiling it, but. Right. Uh, I was just pleasantly surprised so many times throughout the movie. Um, I love the direction they took the characters. Um, one thing, one minor quibble I had about the force awakens was that it was such a, um, and rogue one for that matter is that it's, it was a very sprawling movie. It was spread out across so many different planets and, um, rogue one, especially, I think they had like eight different planets in that movie. And it's just, like, yeah. I can't keep all these damn things straight. I, they didn't even really bother with planets in this movie. I mean, right. they, didn't, they didn't bother with setting up all these different locations and they really just boiled. It was a very boiled down raw story, I think. And, uh, not to say that it was lacking detail, but it was, it was, uh, it felt very, very focused. Mm-hmm. And, um, the movie just went to new, new, it, it explored new places for the franchise. And I mean that in terms of, uh, plot devices and story and uh and it's uh all you people who uh complained about um how the force awakens was kind of just a rehash of the new hope <clears throat> matt um, <laughs> which i understand those complaints and i don't mm. think they're invalid or wrong um but everyone who may have those complaints go see this mm. uh you you might be surprised and nice uh very nice so I enjoyed it as well, um, quite a bit actually. I saw it again that Saturday. Nice. Yep. And uh, yeah, it, you know. Okay, so I have a, a few things about it. Um, I really liked Ryan Johnson's uh, take on it. the The opening space battle is freaking incredible um just it's it's really fantastic and it brings you into the story really uh really well um there is such a such a stronger emphasis on the humor in this movie yes which i enjoy there there has been when we get to spoilers we'll we'll talk a little bit about the internet um because there's been a little bit of a backlash against this movie i don't know if you yeah oh there has been been kept abreast of it i'm more um but it's uh i i enjoyed it the uh, opening space battle was amazing the humor was great great and the movie seemed so intent on just subverting all of our expectations like you said yes. like we expected to see something in line with the second movie of each of each trilogy mm-hmm. so we were expecting like a big reveal we were expecting certain elements to come into play and certain themes to to be played with and everything and what the movie did was it just kind of just Push that aside and and went th- went and gave us something different from what we were what we were expecting. And I think that that I think the movie really thrives on that and and really thrive because of that. Um, 
having said that, um, it's the longest Star Wars movie to date. Yep. And I kind of really felt that. Oh, did you really? Yes. Um, there is an extended sequence uh, for uh, for a subplot um, that I felt like could have been. See, I don't want to say it could have been excised from the movie because it's it's a couple of characters going off on their own little side quest to get something. It it's kind of filled with MacGuffin stuff. And while that alone, like if you isolate that, it's entertaining enough and interesting enough. But in the context of the whole movie, there is this kind of um, time. Uh, a ticking clock. A ticking clock, yeah. That it kind of just felt like it stopped that in its tracks to go through this. And then it also says, it also has some interesting things to say about the universe of Star Wars and like the, the kind of different elements of it that I, I didn't really consider um, throughout. And I really like that in terms of world building and galaxy building, as it were. Um, <clears throat> and I like the setting and stuff, but it just felt like, man, we spent 20 minutes on this planet at this one location just to get back to where we were yeah. 20 minutes ago. It just, it just felt like it kind of cumbersome. I agree with that. Yeah. And then we get this, uh, kind of big, big climactic moment. And then I'll, I'll put you into my head when, uh, when I was in the theater. So <clears throat> we get what I thought was the big climactic moment. I'm thinking like, okay, well, cool. This is, this is going along. This is really good. Um, wow. We're, we're about done with this movie. And then they go to a planet, and then it's like, we have another 30, 40 minutes left. Yeah. And I'm sitting there like, man, I have got to take a piss so bad. <laughs> um, and those last 30, 40 minutes are like, they're really good. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about that in spoilers. But it's also like, man, I just I just felt like it was just kind of a little bit, like it could have been cut down a little bit. Like the movie yeah. itself felt felt long. Um, but I thought that it was gorgeous, like visually stunning yes um and i did have some <laughs> there go the boxes there goes little pizza and i did have <laughs> i'm keeping it in fuck it <laughs> um uh no and i did have some issues here and there but we'll talk more about that in spoilers um okay as far as where this ranks um with the disney movies i would say honestly i think i think force awakens beats it um okay. for as much shit as i give it about being a new hope again. Um, it's still an incredibly fun movie, a really good way to bring it, bring audiences back into the franchise. And also it made me more interested in star Wars. So I kind of have a soft spot for that. Um, so it, it, I enjoyed the force awakens for that. So I would say that the last Jedi is probably a little bit better for me. Uh, you know, it, yeah, it's it's number two. Rogue One is a is a close third because rewatching Rogue One, I actually really enjoyed it a lot more. But yeah, I would put this kind of in the middle of the three that have been released. And then, as far as the franchise as a whole, I mean, uh, probably fourth under Empire, A New Hope, Force Awakens, and The Last Jedi. Okay. And then, you know, the prequels are in there too somewhere. Somewhere, yeah. After yeah. that. Yeah. Which were more tolerable, like I said. Yeah. I'm still reeling from the Dark Tower. It's like, 
It's like I've it's like I've gotten dumped and I'm it is. I'm I'm on the rebound. Yeah. Um yeah. Let's see what you did, Sony. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so we can't really talk about the movie that much in non-spoilers. Um in mm-hmm. people have seen it, so we should dive into spoilers here in a second, but in overall terms, what do you think of the story and then we can go into spoilers? Um and performances. Yeah, uh and direction. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Um yeah, well to start with the direction, because uh, Ryan Johnson, I feel like, was such a unexpected pick mm-hmm. uh, to direct a, a Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been a fan of his for a long time. Oh, yeah. I love his work. Um, and I was fascinated to see a Ryan Johnson Star Wars movie. Um, and, and interestingly enough, I, I it didn't really, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a Ryan Johnson movie. I think, you know, uh, not not to discredit him or anyone it's just star wars is such a it's such a, such a it's its own thing you can't really do too much of your own flair or signature or style and right. still be true to the franchise it's kind of like coming into a tv show you know you can't just you can't just do your own thing you know right. in in the fourth season of a tv show as a director you kind of have to stick to a format and so I feel like even though he was a great pick, I I feel like he stuck to the format really well. And he, he stuck to the format of, you know, like visuals and what the characters are and the canon of the story and all that. Um, not to say that the movie was formulaic. It's right. kind of hard to explain. Um, but yeah, like you can't, like I feel like Ryan Johnson is a, malleable enough director that you know mm-hmm. he can he can jump into a franchise like that um you couldn't have like you know terry gilliam or right uh, uh you know uh, it's right Qu- quentin tarantino yeah you know come in and do a star wars movie because it, it would just be it wouldn't feel like a star wars movie at all so mm-hmm. um i think he i think he did a great job uh he also wrote did he write some of it too? Did he I believe he wrote credit? the movie. Yeah. yeah, he wrote it and directed. So yeah, I think I think his his style really shone through the writing uh, mm-hmm. more than anything else. Um, yeah. The performances were were great. I I just love Adam Driver. I he I, I I rallied around him on the show Girls, which I only watched for a season or two. I think I, I hated that freaking show, <laughs> but he was the bright spot of that show the whole time I watched it. I always loved it when his character was on screen, and that's when I really uh, noticed the guy, and I've been following him ever since. So he's mm-hmm. continued to be great as Kylo Ren and mm-hmm. uh, Ben Solo. I he's just phenomenal. Um, and then Daisy Ridley, I think, really took off in this movie. She's just so unsure in the first movie, which that character needs to be. Um, mm-hmm. The character needs to be very unsure and fish out of water. You know that she she has to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but to see her discover more about herself and come into her own as as Ray in this movie was phenomenal. I think she's a great actress, and uh, I'm glad that she got to start with Star Wars. I think we're going to see her for a long time. Yeah, and uh, she's not going to. fall prey to the star wars syndrome where Mm -hmm. her career just nosedives after the franchise is over right or after she's done with it so i loved her um john boyega the um issue that matt brought up with the kind of side subplot Mm -hmm. i feel like his character got bogged down in that a lot yeah and that was really a shame 
Yeah. Because he's such a delightful guy. You know, it kind of felt like they weren't, like, Ryan Johnson wasn't sure what to do with Finn. Yes. Yeah. And that's evident. Like, his first scene, like, immediately, it's like, where's Ray? Where's Ray? Right. It's like he is so fixated on Ray that he doesn't have much of any story to himself. Right. And I feel like that's a big shortcoming to the movie because Finn, as a character, is a fascinating character. Yeah. Because he... He's a storm. He was a stormtrooper. Right. He became a resistance hero. He's a turncoat. Yeah, like yeah. you know, there's so much there to to play with, and then I feel like it just, like you said, it got bogged down with that that side quest to Space Vegas. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. and it's just it was it was such a such a disappointment to me. Right. Um, but yeah, and and um, yeah, as far as as far as acting, I I really liked uh. Really, all the performances. Yeah. Uh, I I just I'm I love Oscar Isaac and I love Poe Dameron. Mm-hmm. I thought he did just such a great job. Yes, he's great. Yeah, I was going to mention him. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember you last year saying or two years ago mm-hmm. saying the movie needed more Poe. Yeah, Force Awakens needed more Poe. We got a lot more of him, mm-hmm. and he's 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 wonderful. Yep. So, um, and then of course you can't talk about the characters and the actors and everything without mentioning. Mentioning Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. for the first time in thirty some years, right? I realize he made makes an appearance in the end of the Force Awakens, but he doesn't mm-hmm. say anything. Right? Um, he's just there. Um, so this is really like the first appearance of Luke Skywalker in like thirty some years. Yeah, and I remember like that's what I've been. That's what I was looking forward to with the Force mm-hmm. Awakens, and I felt like we didn't get it really, even though yeah. technically we did. But yeah, you know this this felt like this was the moment for that. It was Han. It was Han's movie. This one was Luke's. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's what it felt like, and uh, just just I was like shaking with excitement mm-hmm. uh, in regards to that. And uh, Mark Hamill did great. You know, he's uh, Luke's always been his character, and. Um, I, you know, I haven't seen him in anything <laughs> in a long time. Yeah. Um, I've seen his voice, heard his voice a lot. Yeah. Um, but I think the last thing I saw him in was Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Uh, oh, uh, he was also in. No, um, I saw Kingsman. him. In Kingsman. That's For like, it. A, okay. like a, almost a glorified right. cameo. That's right. Yeah. Anyways. Anyway, yeah. Um, it was just great to see Luke Skywalker again. Mm-hmm. Um, and with his sage wiseness you know Mm -hmm. that was an interesting turn to see him take um yeah i it was great yeah yep um i liked his arc in in, as well and and we'll talk about it in spoilers so let's just go right into spoilers then yeah we'll play a clip from the trailer and then when we get back we will be going into spoilers for star wars the last jedi so be warned and stuff okay Something inside me has always been there. Then I was awake. And I need help. I've seen this raw strength only once before. It didn't scare me enough then. It does now. Um, 
All right, and we are spoilers on for The Last Jedi. Now, before we get into our thoughts on it and spoilers and everything, I want to talk about the backlash a little bit and the the fan backlash. Yes. Um, Now, I am a newcomer to this little, this little, this little franchise you guys are big fans of. (laughs) Um, So, oh, by the way, I should mention that in honor of seeing the movie in the theater, I made sure to wear a shirt of a genre piece of fiction that took decades to complete and is iconic to many people. So I definitely wore a Dark Tower (laughs) t-shirt. Nice. Um, Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's so much fun to troll you guys. Anyway, um, so the internet. Okay. So I haven't read much about the backlash. All I know is that people are super pissed because the movie didn't feel like Star Wars to them. It ruined Luke Skywalker by making him turn away from the Force. And uh, they felt like it had too much humor, too much of a Disney feel. They were pissed off because Rey is nobody and of any significance. And they felt like this was a disservice to the, uh, the, to the Skywalker saga, as it were. Um, and then there were a couple other things. But the, there was such a such an angry... Fan base, like there was so much anger, um, and you would say that you know that probably came from fear, and then the anger that's going to lead to you know hate, and then hate leads yeah. to suffering. Um, <clears throat> nice, you're welcome. Um, I wasn't ham fisted at all. Hashtag prequels. <laughs> um, so there was actually a um, uh, what's the word? I'm I'm. <sighs> Uh, not tantrum. Oh, petition. A petition. Um, yeah, a petition to. <laughs> and okay, I have to laugh at this. I really do. It's pretty bad. Yeah, there's a petition online to have the Last Jedi, uh, erased from the Star Wars canon. Yep. And remade. Mm-hmm. Now I laugh at this because there. This is the eighth movie or ninth movie yeah. in the Star Wars franchise. And this is the movie that fans want to be taken out of the canon. Right. Like, really? <laughs> um, and yeah, that just, that just made me crack up quite a bit. I don't know how serious they are, but there is, there are so many just really, um, angry fanboys. And well, in the defense of Star Wars fanboys, mm-hmm. last time I checked, that petition only had like 1800 signatures. Which for the internet is nothing. That's true. That's true. And for Star Wars fans, that's nothing. That's true. Yep. But (laughs) it still exists. Like, why? Like, what? Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. It's stupid. And on a more serious note, I want to point out this uh, video that went viral of um, people in attendance of a theater, uh, an AMC theater in California. Uh, the the night of the premiere, that basically the sound didn't work in in the theater, so they had to turn it off. Uh-huh. Um, so there is a viral video of just these people. Like obviously, it's a packed house. They're in the, they're packed into the lobby of the theater outside of the auditorium, and they are screaming at the the uh, employees of the theater, uh, yelling for them to start it over and and start it over and and like just yelling expletives at them and just treating them like garbage people. And 
I might actually rip it and put it into this audio here. Mm. So here's a clip from this video of, of people just yelling. Ah, it's frustrating. I'm in there with you. I'm watching it with you. I'm letting you know they're going to do it though. They said. There's, there's somebody who's got to. Guys. We're not going to do this outside. We can't restart it, unfortunately. If you want to rebut, we will. Oh, you are. Restart it. Restart it. So what pisses me off about this is, A, I work in customer service, so this type of like yeah. entitled customer thing really gets on my nerves. Mm-hmm. And I get it that they paid for tickets to see a movie, and that movie isn't watchable to them. But the theater did what they could. They couldn't fix the problem. They still chanted in unison, which is fucking terrifying to me because it's like mob mentality, yelling, start it over, start it over. Um when it's like it, if it's a technical like okay it started over it's gonna have the same fucking thing like right use logic idiots <laughs> um and then and then they just get very very angry toward this just and in the video it looks like there's just this like 16 17 year old kid that's just like saying like okay well we can give you passes through to oh, another one yeah um we can either refund the tickets or we can give you passes to another screening um and it's like that's that's what the theater can do. Like that's right. all the theater can do. But you have this big group of fans who for some reason feel like they're entitled to, to just treat this person who didn't do this to them will willfully like complete garbage. And I'm like, I fucking hope that like, I hope that like, I wish I could go back in time, go up to each and every one of them and be like, Ray's parents are nobody. Uh, Snoke gets killed halfway through the movie by Kylo <laughs> and Luke uh, dies. Right. Like, I just, I wish I could spoil the fuck out of it for them. And I am one who vehemently hates spoilers. Right. But it just got so under my skin. Yeah. So anyway, Tiny. That's, um, that's really bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's an excuse. inexcusable. I just, yeah. I just wanted to get on my soapbox about that and the fan base and everything. Yeah. Like say what you will. I don't know of any any petitions to to get the uh, Dark Tower movie stricken from. It's because you existence. haven't started it yet. I haven't. It's it's, <laughs> it's in the works. Yep. There's yep. a file on my computer. Right. Um. <laughs> so my response to all the backlash is mm-hmm. pretty much just get over it. Yeah. Um. So everyone's entitled to their opinion, but like. Everyone's like, oh, there's too much humor in it. It's it's too Disney-fied. It's it's not uh, it's not in the the uh, spirit of the the rest of the movies, and it's uh, it does away with the Skywalkers. My response is, it's about damn time. That's yeah. that's needed to happen because let's face it, the Skywalkers 
half of them turned into Siths, mm-hmm. uh, and one of them isn't even really a Jedi. She just right. kind of has some Force leanings. Mm-hmm. Get over it. They're, I mean, who? They're not that incredible. I mm-hmm. mean, they're interesting, and I, I, I like, I like the Skywalkers, but like, Anakin Skywalker is a big fuck up, mm-hmm. and uh, Luke Skywalker is kind of a fuck up. <laughs> Leia is a politician essentially, yeah. and Kylo Ren is uh, an ambitious kind of little asshole. So, mm-hmm. like, let's get someone else in there. It's time for some new blood. Yeah. And here's Ray. And you know what? The fact that she comes from nothing and that her family is not a you know a force family or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, that's awesome. That that injects so much hope into this franchise because, you know, it's a cool idea that it's it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like Harry Potter where mm-hmm. you can come from a magic family or not or you can come from Muggles and you still have this incredible power like that's that's a very hopeful idea and it's I think that provides a richness to the story and I think Star Wars kind of needs that you know it's it's much more of a rooted in uh I, I keep coming back to the word hope it's just it's rooted in in hope and and this idea that you don't have to be some special royal sanctioned kind of person just to have the force and to use the force and mm-hmm. to become like a jedi um i think it's an awesome idea and i think it's it provides so much more it provides so much more potential to the universe and to that galaxy far, far away about what, what direction, what kind of new stories can come from that, that world, that galaxy. Um, and as far as I know, I'm a star Wars fan, but I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh, privy to all of the rules or ideas of it. As far as I know, it's never been explicitly said that, the force is part of like, it's part of like biology or like a lineage. Like you have to come from some, you have to be uh, genetically linked to Born someone who, it. who can have the force. You know what I mean? Like, even though that's, it's a, almost a little bit implied because it's all like the skywalkers and you know, all these because of the skywalkers, it's kind of implied, but mm-hmm. there've been so many other characters who use the force. Yeah who we don't know their lineage. The entire Jedi Order in the prequels. Right, like, right. Yeah. We don't know their lineage. We don't know who they yeah. came from, where they got their powers from. It's only We we only had that assumption from the Skywalkers. Mm-hmm. And I guess it was kind of a safe assumption to make after six movies. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they're flipping that on its head so late in the game is a really nice surprise. It's, yeah. it's a nice thing. It's a nice surprise and it's oh, yeah. cool and it changes it's refreshing. it up. It's refreshing. Yeah. Yes. So shut up. I right. mean, it's cool. <laughs> I liked it. I loved that. They, that they yeah. did that. Um, um, yeah. Couple things. First of all, I feel like we're going to get some hate mail for you calling Ray a mudblood essentially. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I agree with you. Like it's so, it's frustrating. Cause and what I feel like, uh, and okay, what I what I feel like the issue is, what I feel like the re, like the backlash is born from, is that these are people who live their entire lives for Star Wars. Yes, like yeah. they are the diehard Star Wars fans. Mm-hmm. That they're not viewing it as oh, a movie that we're reviewing on a podcast for a franchise that one of us loves at least. 
but they're seeing it as like, oh, this is the next part of my childhood, like yeah. reconnecting with it. And I and I get that. I definitely get that. But one of my biggest issues, one of the biggest reasons why I haven't been able to connect with the Star Wars franchise itself is because it is so closed off. Mm-hmm. Like they had, sure, they had the expanded universe, but that's a ton of books I wasn't going to read because I wasn't interested in the movies in itself. But right. you have six movies of the Skywalker lineage. Three of the movies are mostly garbage. Yeah. And then the first two movies are the kind of gold standard of it. Yeah. And then the third movie has its, like, rewatching. Jedi, uh, Return of the Jedi, I should say. Um, now that there are two Jedi movies. Um, yeah. Always one, a master and apprentice. <laughs> um, the, nice. Um, there are always two, master and apprentice. Anyway, um, uh, rewatching Return of the Jedi, it's like there's so much just cheesy stuff in this movie. There is. It's just a, back, it's like, it's just a backstri- backdrop for Luke confronting Vader. Yeah, exa- yeah exactly. That's the whole movie. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I, was, I was still engaged with it. It was just, ugh. Yeah, I was still engaged with it, but I didn't want to consummate the marriage. If you get what I'm saying, Jesus. Um, I don't know what the fuck that was supposed. That to was mean. a bit of a labored analogy. Okay, <clears throat> labored. That comes nine months later. Anyway, God damn. That's I don't know what's gotten into me, guys. I'm so on. sorry. Let's anyway, so but yeah, so like them, and that's why I I'm not excited for the Han Solo movie. I'm definitely not excited about uh, the possibility of a Boba Fett movie. And even though I would love to see a Ewan McGregor Obi-Wan Kenobi trilogy, I would still think like, man, you're still just messing around the same corner of the universe. Yeah. Like for something that is so massive, it is arguably the biggest franchise in the world. Mm-hmm. You are still messing around in just what you're, you're playing in the, in the playground, in the, in the sandbox that was created for you 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. And it's, that's what's troubled me forever. Um, but now, like you said, we have this big opening. Yes. It is, we have this character that has no connection. We have this mud blood character. Um, and it's, it's just like the entire point of this movie is, uh, killing the past, like yes. forging ahead, killing the past. Kylo says, it says kill the past or something like that. And then also like one of my favorite lines of the movie is the, the Yoda cameo, which I, I love that. That was awesome. That was great. Um, first time Yoda has been on screen as a, as a puppet since, since, since return of the Jedi. Nice. Um, even that did, even that did Lucas go back and fix that in the, in the special edition. He may have. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. I'm so distracted by he was, Eden Christensen and my. He was partly puppet in Phantom Menace, I believe. I don't think so. Was he? I'm pretty sure he was. Really? Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, I'm pretty sure. It I, looked cool. Yeah. Um. So, um, one of the best things about the entire movie is when he says that. Um, oh, I can't remember the exact line. Something to the effect of, uh, "They outgrow us." That's the. That's the burden of every master or something like that. Mm. Our students outgrow us. And so it's just because his whole point is that Luke has been living in the present and he's, or living in the past and, and kind of confined himself to, <laughs> okay, to the Jedi text, to the original De- Jedi texts that I'm sorry, but I'm just like, okay, this is the original Jedi temple and you have the kind of the original Jedi texts from way back in the day. It's like four notebooks 
Like you would think there would be like like the Citadel in in Game of Thrones. Like you would oh, think it'd be yeah. that level of stuff. But let's just get into the actual spoiler yeah. <laughs> discussion because because we haven't even really scratched the surface of the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start with the uh, resistance running out of gas thing and hyperdrive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I that that part may have given me my biggest. Maybe not biggest point of contention, but one of my biggest points of contention because as interesting and unique as that was to the Star Wars franchise, uh-huh. it it was the same plot of the Battlestar Galactica episode 33. Yeah, it was. Like almost exact same plot mm-hmm. um, except slower because in <laughs> 33 they were jumping every 33 minutes. Right. And like that, I, and I even talked about it in a potpourri section within the last year or so that that episode of Battlestar Galactica is one of like, it's one of the coolest like science fiction episodes of television I've seen. Yes, I agree. And it's just kind of a bummer that like, you know, it's a Star Wars movie now. Right. Um, did you pick up on that? How did you feel about that in that whole subplot? Yeah, it's. I think it provided a good platform for the rest of the story to develop, mm-hmm. but it was very derivative. And it's it just seems to kind of uh, ignore some kind of logical... It's almost like plot holy because it's like, really, Dreadnought just can't keep up, and so like you're just going to outrun for hours and hours, and it's just like... Mm-hmm. It's like, but you still have all these Star Destroyers. Can't the Star Destroyers hop out there? You have like eight Star Destroyers. You tell me you can't take down this little, <laughs> you know, armada of a few ships. See, yeah, I, I kind of, I was kind of okay with that. Just because okay. I like the idea of them being in pursuit and like us seeing that and like seeing it against the backdrop of just the vacuum of space. It looks like they're just standing still. Yeah. I kind of I liked that element of it. Okay. But yeah, yeah, to each their own. Yeah. But well, so so I mean that it kind of bothered me, but I knew there was more to it. I knew there was going to be some mm-hmm. kind of payoff at the end, and it turns out that the whole time they were really just trying to make it to this place that they knew they could, you know, defend themselves. Mm-hmm. They were it, it was almost like a retreat to a point of defense. Yeah. So I knew we were it was going somewhere like that. I didn't know specifically what was going to happen, but I knew it was I knew it was leading somewhere. So I wasn't like pissed off about it. I don't hate it. But I feel like it was just a little bit too laborious, um, and maybe there could have been a better, uh, a better journey to that end, a better means to that end. Um, but it it certainly didn't ruin the movie. I don't think it was. Uh, I don't think we spent a lot of time in that dynamic, the dreadnought chasing the uh, right. the last uh, rebel ship. I don't think it was the dreadnought. It was uh, just Snoke's ship. Was it? I don't know if it was actually a dreadnought because the dreadnought was the the big ass thing that Poe destroyed. But I think I think Snoke's ship is a dreadnought, though. Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Which, speaking of the dreadnought, uh, that opening scene, just really quickly, that oh, opening okay. scene in space, the dreadnought was like scary. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. It showed up. Like you think the star, you think of the star destroyers as these giant ships that are mm. like just just massive, imposing presences, and like mm-hmm. that's what we've had throughout the franchise yeah. as as a standard for. As a standard for the might of the Empire. Yeah. And then this dreadnought comes out of nowhere and dwarfs it. Mm. I was like, holy shit. It like blew me away. And I was like, this is like actually kind of scary. Yeah. Not um, only that, but like the Star Destroyers, like they're iconic. You know the design of them. Right. 
the color and the shape and everything. And then you see this dreadnought that's it's black and has like red like lining in it from right. like fire and from the from the exhaust and stuff. It's imposing. Yes, it was that was very cool. Right. So I just credit to that. Yeah. Um so yeah, I, I had my issue with it, but at the same time I think it's just it's it, you kind of have to again you just kind of have to get over it and and realize that it's just the journey and the conclusion is is the real part of the story that you need to focus on mm-hmm. and so i i'll give them that one it wasn't too distracting and again they didn't they didn't dwell in that space too much it was mostly what was going on in the background yeah and the subplot so i i don't think I wasn't. I didn't get too in a twist about it. Um, I didn't get my midichlorians in too much of a twist about it. <laughs> so, um, one of my favorite things to do is troll Star Wars fans. Yes. So the moment where Poe goes after, uh, goes against uh, Vice Admiral Holdo from uh, Laura Dern. Yes. Uh, where he pulls the phaser or whatever on her. The he mutinies. Blaster. Mutinies. Yeah. Yeah. I really like. I really wanted to just yell, it's treason then, uh, the line from the prequels when, uh, when, uh, uh, Palpatine, uh, is confronted by, um, Mace Window, Windu, I think. Yeah. And then he's, he's, uh, being taken into custody and then he's like, it's treason then. <laughs> it, anyway, I don't it was, even it remember was funny that. in my head. Yeah. It's one of the, like, memes on prequel memes. Oh, uh, prequel okay. memes, some subreddit. Yeah. Um, so I really wanted to say that. And then also, yeah, yeah. So that whole subplot, a lot, a big, uh, point of contention with that is with the internet and everything is why didn't Holdo say anything to Poe about what she was doing? Like, why didn't she clue anyone into the plan? Which I, I don't see that as a valid complaint just because, a, I don't know. I don't think it's explicitly stated in the movie that they were cautious of who they gave information to. Um, but there can be an argument made that, okay, well, you know, the uh, First Order is able to track them through hyperspace, which is something that they had no idea is possible. Maybe there's someone on in the resistance who could, who gave them that information to do that. Yeah. So they're keeping it close to the vest. And then also, Poe is not like, like he's, you know, he's near and dear to all of our hearts, but she didn't really, like the whole point of the dynamic on the, on the bridge was that Poe is a loose cannon. He's a, he's a, he's a fly boy who goes after, like he wants to go blow stuff up. Yeah. And good, good instinct kind of guy. Yeah. So yeah. like maybe don't clue him in on it. Um, right. Cause he would be, if anything, he would just be more combative about it. Right. That would be my uh, thought on it. Yeah. There was also apparently a huge or like a very vocal um, piece of um, uh, complaints about the fact that the ships use fuel. Oh, really? Yeah. Which I guess because. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like someone someone online was just saying like, well, they've never used fuel before. Like it was just never really brought up. Yeah, before. exactly. Um, I I. To their, I don't want to say to their credit, but to that point, I will say, mm-hmm. I thought the ships were more like a nuclear sub, mm-hmm. whereas the, you know the nuclear sub can literally like go out for like two years yeah. before it doesn't even have to dock for like two years. Whereas the old diesel subs, you know, they had to dock every week mm-hmm. to get some fuel or whatever. I thought it was more like that, to where they could just go out for a long time. So it was just a bit of a misconception, not necessarily mm-hmm. a 
blunder, if you will, yeah. on the story. So I can understand where they're coming from, but I, that was a bit of a naive assumption to make, I think. All they needed was a Scottish engineer saying over the intercom that they're running out of dilithium crystals. That's all they needed to say. Star, Star Trek. But I really wanted to talk about um, <laughs> the one of the bigger blunders in the movie, the mm. the space casino stuff. Yes, Space Vegas. So Canto Bite is what it's called. Canto. Okay, who cares? <laughs> I'm kidding, <laughs> nerd. Uh, no, but like, um, I say that because I want to forget about it because I really did not like that stuff at all. I thought it was a. I, I agree with you. I think mm. it was a huge divulgence mm. or divergence from the story and yeah. just. A waste of time. So from a plot perspective, that was about finding a code breaker so they could break in and shut off the tracker on mm-hmm. Snoke's ship, right? Um, so I get that, but why why couldn't the Asian chick that he meets just be the code breaker and they try to sneak onto the ship to try to, you know, like why they have to go all the way across the galaxy to find this guy. Like you could just write it into the story that the Asian girl is the code breaker. She understands code really well or whatever, right? you know? So I, but the, the inspiration for, I think for that sidetrack to go all the way to space Vegas, Mm -hmm. Which that we're going to call it that. Oh, fuck, yeah. fuck the name of the planet. It's space, right. it's space Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the inspiration for that was to kind of throw a wrench into the Star Wars political universe. Yeah, which has been so cut and dry and black and white and mm-hmm. blasé over the last six or seven films. Yeah, you know, it's never been a very convoluted or a very complex thing. Mm-hmm. But what this did is it kind of it kind of pointed at the at how the politics of Star Wars is kind of the politics of Earth. No, like the poli- the politics that we're used to. You know, it's all shady under the hand. Everybody is just out for themselves and mm. it's kind of like the uh, some of the negative qualities that we see in the empire are actually qualities of the rebellion. Yeah. And the alliance, you know, the whole the whole war machine thing and how there's always someone who's profiteering. There's always uh someone in the you know, the the galactic government who is in the business of furthering themselves and gaining power and you know, money is still a the primary motivator in this galaxy and people will do anything to get it. And so yeah it kind of introduces that idea that has not been present in any of the other Star Wars movies. And I think that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad that's part, it's, it's part of, it's, it's whole, it's part of this whole theme of killing the past yeah, and creating a new, a new part of the story. It muddies the waters between good and bad. Like it, right. it, it paints the galaxy in, in shades of gray, which is right. You might even say, I mean, there's so many. There could be there could be like fifty shades of gray. God there. damn it! But um, don't do that. <laughs> wait till February. Um, <laughs> I don't force. <laughs> I force hard. <laughs> I don't Jesus. know. That didn't even make sense. Nah, but nah. anyway, yeah. Um, no, but like, and that's what I love about, it. and I think that that might be maybe deep seated somewhere, like where some of the complaints come in, because Star Wars has always been like, oh, good versus evil, light right. side versus dark side. That's it, yeah, yeah. And here we have, okay, well, you know, the people that are bankrolling the 
the first order are also the people that are funding the resistance. Right. So and everyone's just making money. That's that's that it's pointless to be on one side or the other because it's all muddy together. Yes. You have you have Luke Skywalker saying like, "Oh, the Force isn't anything that the Jedi own. It's just something that binds everything together." Right. And and like that's something that I just feel is so great to expand the universe. Right. Like, expand what we know about it make me more interested in it for yes, god's sake i agree 100 percent. yeah and and I, I and that's the one saving grace of the of the canto bite uh space vegas sequence mm-hmm. is that yeah it it incorporated uh the political structure and and the funding of of the the war that is the star wars right um into it um but yeah it was kind of a drag it um was. like the second time i saw the movie i it, like the second time I saw the movie, I was sitting in I was sitting in my seat and I was like, I I really should have gotten like a drink at the concession stand because like it was, <laughs> like it, the theater was like burning up because it was a packed house and like people yeah. breathing and stuff. So I was like, all right, well, hey, they're at Space Vegas. I'm gonna go run to the concessions. Nice. Um, also got a free large drink because I, I didn't redeem my uh, my Stubbs reward for my birthday in June. Uh-huh. So yeah, nice. Um, but yeah, so. So yeah, so Space Vegas was was a bummer. Yeah. Um although I did like that location and the idea of Space Vegas. I thought that, that was cool. Yeah. I um, I agree. Yeah, all the creatures that we saw was was really satisfying to me. Yeah. And then um Yeah, let, let's go into this a little bit more. So, yeah, all that was interesting and it it planted the seed for the last shot of the of the movie which we'll talk about later, I'm sure. But more importantly, it developed the characters of, of Finn and Rose uh-huh. together. And then one thing that I just didn't get or I didn't I didn't quite like really is that toward the end when, when they, they they're on the final like battle sequence and stuff, um, when Rose saves Finn from sacrificing himself, and then she says, um, it's not about fighting what we hate. It's about fighting for what we love or saving what we love. Right. And then she kisses him. And I'm like, was that supposed to be like a romantic kiss? Like, yeah, I think it was. And see, and I think so too. And I'm just like, I don't like it. Yeah. We didn't need that. (laughs) No. Like it just felt like so like, cause I, up until that point, nothing about their relationship felt like, felt like a romantic connection at all no romantic chemistry no it just felt like they were just you know out of left field yeah it just felt really weird to me it did i agree yeah um this franchise does not need a love triangle no i am not interested in that at Mm. all um and i feel like they were totally setting it up as that Mm. strictly through body language of the characters there's nothing that was really right said no dialogue but uh you know finn is kind of tending to uh, Rose and mm-hmm. Ray sees it and has kind of some body language where she's like, "Oh, what's what's that?" And it just plants the seed that there's going to be some kind of love conflict mm-hmm. there. And I'm just I'm just not into it. I don't want to. Wait, I don't Ray see it. was jealous of. Yeah, or like, oh, like okay. it's like she noticed and she's like, "What's that?" Like, why is she was thinking? It, she had body language that was suggesting that she noticed that he was lovingly attending to Interesting. Rose. See, At I least, didn't. You didn't I didn't pick read up on it that. that. I didn't pick up on it that way. I just kind of okay. felt like. She was all like, "Oh, g- cool! This the stormtrooper's not going to be into me anymore." Okay. Um, see, I didn't see it that way. I saw it. Well, I saw it as jealousy. Oh, okay, interesting. Because because also we get the scene uh, around that same time where uh, Poe introduces himself to Ray. Yes. And 
I said this in the theater. I said this after my after I saw it with the, uh, uh, for the second time. But I feel like Ray definitely gave him some like oh fuck me eyes yes a little bit yeah so i feel bit. like that is like the big remote romantic thing which also that was kind of one of the big things about the movie that kind of left me a little unsatisfied because it it hits the reset button pretty hard on a lot of the things that are established in the force awakens yeah so much so that i i, I kind of left the movie thinking like we have one more movie in this trilogy like yeah exactly i kind of wish that there was more room to to play with these characters right. are they gonna resolve stuff. all this in one movie yeah yeah um yeah but yeah the kids oh let's talk about dj played by uh uh benicio del toro yes um what did you think of him uh he was fine um again i liked his role in throwing a wrench in the star wars politics Mm -hmm. um so i appreciated him for that but i feel like his whole his whole like stuttering thing was just like why does he have to do that like why does that have to be a part of his character? Mm-hmm. It's just, I just thought it was kind of weird. Um, See, that didn't really bother me that much. I kind of felt okay. like it was a fun little affectation on, on it. Yeah, it was, I don't, I don't have a big problem with it, but I was mm-hmm. just like, why can't he just be a straight up character? You know, why does sure. he have to be so, I feel like, uh, they do that a lot with Benicio del Toro and a lot of his yeah. roles, like, uh, as the collector in Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. like he always has some weird thing with his voice. Yeah. Even like the usual suspects. That's true, yeah. He just has a weird a weird thing with his voice all the time. It's just like, just talk, man. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just kind of bothers me sometimes. But uh, yeah, I can I can see that. Yeah, um, he he was fine. Again, I don't think his character was needed mm-hmm. at all. I think you could have had the same amount of conflict by just adding in the Rose character. Mm-hmm. I don't. I just don't think he was necessary. I liked his turn at the end where he where he turned them in. <laughs> and yeah, like and I like that that wasn't resolved at all. Like it was. It, he didn't have the like Han moment where he came back and saved the day. He's just like, nope, I'm out of here. Right. I got my money. I got my ship. Hey, good luck. That's true. I, I liked that because it it kind of hammered home the the point of the character. Yeah. Um. Which, by the way, the whole infiltration of the First Order ship and and Snoke ship and everything. Um. First of all, it, I mean, it wouldn't be a Star Wars movie if they didn't dress up in the enemy's, uh, enemy's uniform and, <laughs> yeah. and and infiltrate their base. But right, um, I okay. So I I feel like this has also been a complaint, but I had no problem with it because I actually enjoyed it. Uh, Captain Phasma and Finn, their like battle. Um, so the first movie, I the Force Awakens when Captain Phasma was introduced, I'm like, oh they're they're boba fetting another character yeah like because she was in the promotions and everything and then it's just like hey yeah she's she did nothing in that goddamn movie right and i was like this is this is another boba fett character yeah and at least in this movie there's actually a cool fight scene yes and i thought that it was i thought it was cool i thought it was awesome right um i loved seeing finn get to you know uh take her down yeah um and you know, Star Wars isn't known for its like really good action one-liners. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just love the whole thing where she's like, "I knew you were scum," and he just goes, "Rebel scum." <laughs> yeah, that was great. I was yeah, like, fuck yeah. I thought that was a little bit cheesy. Really? It was, but it was. Oh, good. I it loved was, it. It was good, but it was like I was just like, "Okay, okay the Last Jedi." Okay. <laughs> I, um, I actually like that. Yeah, a lot. but I did like how it slowly shifted from, you know, resistance and and like. Uh, like just talking about like them as the resistance and the first order into them talking, like just basically saying like, Oh, they're rebel scum that like basically going, reverting back to the, to the phrasing of the original trilogy. Right. Um, 
Yeah. Um, so there was one thing I noticed throughout the movie. I was wondering if you noticed it too. The use and inclusion of a diverse cast of wildlife in the movie. Yes. This... Tons of animals and creatures throughout mm. the movie. From what I've heard, it has more creatures in a, in the Star in a Star Wars movie than any other Star Wars movie. Right. Okay. It's like it really jumped out to me, and I loved it because I'm kind of an animal person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I I I just found it. Uh, it wasn't like it was such a great thing, mm-hmm. and it wasn't a bad thing. I was just like I just noticed it, and like I'm not super excited about it or like oh yeah, there's gonna be animals all the time now. It's right. just like. I just thought it was kind of fun. Like I just yeah. thought, like you know Luke goes over to this random crazy looking creature on on the jet and he just milks it and starts drinking yeah. it. I'm like what the fuck? <laughs> and then there's the little porg owl looking things. Yeah. There's the ice foxes on the planet at the end. Mm-hmm. Um I know I'm missing something else. I mean Yeah. Um Oh the oh, the the caretakers. Of the island, yeah, yeah, yeah. they were, Which, but they're more like beings as opposed to yeah. wildlife. Um, the uh, the racing creatures on the casino planet, oh yeah, that were very cute. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what they were called, but uh, I don't remember either. They were very, they were cute. Which I thought that storyline was kind of stupid. She's like, oh, they're from my planet and they're forced to race. And I'm just like, yeah. I, they're cute, but I don't care. I'm right. sorry. What's happening with the ship? Yeah, you know, if you're gonna introduce racing into a Star Wars movie, the, those. The things that are racing need to have like two floating engines in front right. of the and no thing. human can do it. Yeah. God damn it. So I I don't know, I just noticed the wildlife a lot and I thought it was you know, the ice foxes kinda of lead them out of out mm-hmm. of into salvation out of the, the thing and I don't know, it's just wildlife played a huge role. I thought the porgs were silly, but they were they were cute and it added some of the humor. Yeah, I thought that they were cute and just a little bit like they they played them played them up just a little bit too much, a little too much. Yeah, just a tad. I loved the scene with Chewy about to eat one. Yes, and they looked freaking delicious. Yeah, they did. Um, ah, oh, just they looked great. Cornish um, game head. That's exactly. Yep, yep. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, and uh, I loved when the one imitated Chewy. Yeah, that was great. But um, not yeah. not as annoying as the Ewoks. Right. Uh, but. Kind of following that path a little bit, and I I hope they don't take it too far in the next mm-hmm. movie, and have too much porgness. Right. Porgness. Well, now that Snoke is dead, we need a new like big bad over Kylo. So I think the porgs are going to be <laughs> they're going to take gonna over. They're biding their time. Yeah, yeah. Um, Speaking of that, should we talk yeah. about Kylo Ren and his kind of role? Yes. So yeah. So Kylo Ren's whole arc and his uh, his whole arc with Snoke and 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 ray um that was one thing that okay when the opening crawl happened i kind of thought for a moment because uh, the opening crawl just says that um the the first order is in pursuit of the resistance and they're trying to find a new base and or they're on their way to a new base or something like that or as they're evacuating their base planet right and i'm like Immediately, I was like, "Fuck! It's it's an empire. It's it's Hoth. It's it's Empire Strikes Back. Like yeah. they're gonna do it again." Um, fortunately, that's not the case. Right. But what they did with Snoke and in Kylo and Ray was it it was it was Return of the Jedi. <laughs> like yeah, it well, was. Well, 
Snoke showed Ray a view a viewer of the, of the rebels getting killed outside. It was Return of the Jedi till the end. <clears throat> right, yeah. Well, yeah, it it ended up different. Right. So I mean, cuz so it more paid homage than than copied it. Yes, I I disagree with you because mm-hmm. Throughout, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, yeah, he's he's you know he's pulling a Darth Vader, he's turning, and he's the the good in him that Luke saw is coming out, just like you know with Rey and Kylo. Like I I, I agree with you to that extent, but mm-hmm. uh, throughout it, I'm thinking, yes, he's going, he's turning to the light side, mm-hmm. and the third movie is going to be about him and Rey teaming up and wiping out the first, first order or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then afterwards. It's so great because he's like, you know, he's like, he comes to the conclusion that it's not, he, he's tired of being controlled and he wants to mm-hmm. kill the past and he, he's still an ambitious little evil asshole because he wants yeah. to take it all for, for himself mm-hmm. and rule it not as two Sith with a master and an apprentice, but mm-hmm. as two supreme leaders, if you will. And right. so he's, he's, He's bucking tradition in that by killing his, his motivation for killing Snoke was not because he wanted to turn to the light side or save the save the galaxy from the Sith or from evil. It was because he wanted to take over it himself, and so that's yeah. why maybe the actions are similar or borderline identical to. Uh, Return of the Jedi, but mm-hmm. the motivations are entirely different, and the conclusion is entirely different, and so that's why, that's why I love that part a mm-hmm. lot. Um, the action was really awesome too. Yeah, once they finally don't get me wrong, I enjoyed it. Okay. I'm just it was very much like okay that we saw this before the right. similar thing right and the reason I love it is because <clears throat> they kind of make you think that yeah you yeah. kind of think they make you think that as the audience but then they completely turn that on you and mm-hmm. I think that was a really nice I wasn't expecting that sure I kind of I actually I actually going into the movie I was thinking that Ray might turn mm-hmm. at least for a little bit and then maybe in the third movie you know we get kind of like a Return of the Jedi climax where she sees the good in her comes forth again mm-hmm. and she comes back to the light side and or whatever and then she dies. I don't know. But I thought we might get a similar scenario to that. Um, and that's what I was sort of thinking. I was That's the direction I was thinking they would go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was very, very pleasantly surprised with what happened. I think this sets up a really nice conflict for the last movie. Yeah, I, yeah. I really liked what I really liked the decision that Kylo Ren made. Mm-hmm. It was uh, interesting for the franchise. I and I agree, and I like that they got <clears throat> this out of the way. Like yeah. they got like okay, Kylo had his his you know come to Jesus moment, mm-hmm. and he's like nah, fuck it, let's stay let's stay evil, right? Um, and now I feel like that just solidifies his his villainous. Yes, and and I feel like the next movie. It should be him as a Vader. Like, it should be him as a pure evil person. Yes. And and I really like that about the movie, and I really hope that they kind of pay that off in a good way. Right. Um, without having to have him be like, oh, I'm t- being torn apart and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, the death of Snoke. Um, uh, first of all, um, the death of Snoke, like, 
I felt like that was okay. That I mean, that was a cool that was a cool moment in the movie. And one of the things that a lot of people are complaining about, and I kind of, I guess I kind of get it, is that they they were expecting Snoke to have some kind of richer backstory to be revealed. Yeah. Which yes, that would have been cool. I would have liked something. Um, mm-hmm. it, he didn't need to be oh. He didn't need to be like Darth Plagueis or or he didn't need to be like connected to anything. I just wanted to know like you know, where did he come from? Like what, right. what's his deal? Cuz he's just Emperor 2.0. I didn't mind that much. I always saw him as a placeholder. Mm-hmm. Um and I there were a lot of people complaining about how he has like 15 minutes of screen time in the movie. Yeah. Um but I I wasn't bothered by that because I feel like I knew that he was going to die. <laughs> I mean, I think either, you know, I figured either Ray was going to kill him or mm-hmm. uh or Kylo Ren was. And plus, it's it's sort of in line with the uh with the tradition of the franchise cuz if you look at episode 4 and episode 5, like the emperor's barely in the movie. Yeah. And true. in episode 6, he's a lot more prevalent, but you know, this is the first and second movie of the franchise. And so I feel like the progression of Snoke was pretty in tune with the traditions of the franchise. Mm -hmm. So I, I really wasn't bothered by that. And, uh, I think, I think while his lines were sparse, Mm -hmm. they were, they were very heavy hitting. Um, I liked his language a lot. I feel like he was a little less cheesy than the emperor. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he had, he was very philosophical and, which which is kind of in line with the emperor as well, but he just his delivery I felt like was very, very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I was fine with what happened with Snoke and his his progression throughout these these couple movies. Yeah, I, and I was too. I just well, yeah, I was too. Because I mean, to say that oh, I wish I had more background. It's like well, if you watch the original trilogy, Empire Emperor didn't have much background, and then yeah. we got his background. Yeah, um, we did. So yeah, um, yeah. So so the fight after after Snoke gets killed, uh, the fight scene where where Ray and Kylo are kind of doing the uh, kind of <laughs> I kind of I kind of relate it to like a buddy cop shootout yeah scene totally. but with lightsabers yeah um, very cool I I loved the choreography of it yes um, like there's a moment where Ray is. Uh, like she's she's almost like done for and she's like in kind of a um uh standstill with with one of the guard people um and then she she drops the lightsaber and picks it up with her other hand and like uh and puts it into the to the guy to kill him i thought that was freaking awesome nice that and then when she throws the lightsaber at kylo and he just he just flashes it on and puts it through the di- dude's eye. Yes, so cool. Very so awesome. Cool. Very awesome. Love that stuff. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So, how did you feel about Luke's arc? Also, just overall, because we we see a different Luke from before, and that's kind of one of the things that's um, going back to the movie being be, being basically a big a big example of subverting our expectations that were set by the force awakens. Like right starts out with the scene with her, with Ray and Luke, like he has the lightsaber. There's like two or three beats where he, nothing said and then he just tosses it. Yeah. Great comedic moment. Yes. But it's also like, we waited two years for this. Right. <laughs> like, it, and like, we expected it to be like, like this big profound thing. 
but and it wasn't yeah yeah same with like ray's parents like oh she's there they were just junkers who sold her for beer money right um so how i don't know what i was getting at with that but how did you feel about luke's arc overall and how he's basically turned his way turned his back from uh from the force and he's he went to the island to die um I I liked it because it's it's in the thread of, you know, moving forward and and kind of getting rid of the past, killing the past, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's in that thread, but at the same time, I feel like at the end of the day, Luke, you know, in the first in the first trilogy, he's he's all about loyalty to his friends and the people he loves and stuff like that, and you know, he's he knows how to play the hero, and I feel like his I feel like whenever he makes a mistake he really levels out really well in mm-hmm. in the first in the first trilogy and you know the third movie is all him mostly him making level-headed decisions and you know throughout the third movie or I'm sorry the yeah the third movie in the original trilogy um return of the jedi it's you know he really controls himself and he's truly earned the badge of being a jedi and and so he's I feel like in the in uh the Force Awakens, you know, we we've discovered that he's really he's become so level-headed that he feels he has to remove himself from the equation. Mm-hmm. Um and it's it's shocking that he doesn't hasn't used the Force in years and he's just separated himself from it. And it's all it's all shocking and it's kind of surprising and that's what this movie was about. It was about surprising us as fans and doing something different and it was it was something different for his character you know um i feel like it was the level-headed decision to make but you know towards the end he you know when he talks to yoda and everything and he realizes well it is i I do need to do something to help the rebellion and to help my my sister and the, the people that i care about and stuff like that and he that climax on i don't even remember the name of the planet where they where they made their final stand. Oh yeah, I don't remember either. Yeah, it's 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 not important, but uh he you know, he makes his appearance there. Salthoth. Salt there you go, Salthoth. <laughs> um uh he makes his appearance there and I feel like that's his that's his way of of uh managing his own destiny and going out on his own terms while still being loyal to his friends and family and the people he cares about and and still trying to do something to make the universe a better place or make their galaxy a better place. Um, I was very satisfied with all of it. Mm-hmm. I like the decision that he's uh, that he's gone, that mm-hmm. he cho- chose to disapparate, mm-hmm. to use another Harry Potter term. Right. Um, and yeah, like like you said, the first uh, Force Awakens was kind of like Han's movie. Mm-hmm. This was Luke's movie. And I, maybe the ninth movie uh, was supposed to be Leia's. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, we we will never know, I guess, or mm-hmm. we th- definitely not going to get that. Um, mm-hmm. And so, I don't. Obviously, I don't know if it was by plan or not. But the old characters are gone. You know, it's yeah. it's 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 this the ninth movie. It's it's wild to think that the climax of this, the most successful movie franchise of all time, without mm-hmm. question is going to not have 
a Skywalker in it. Right. It's crazy to think about it. I just, but I, th- I think it was the right move to make. I mm-hmm. think it was, I think it makes sense for the story. I think it makes sense for his character. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I was really, I was really satisfied with it. He went out with a bang, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the force, no one's ever really gone. Yeah. So I, I think, Hopefully it's not in a cheesy musical scene with a dumbass song and he shows up as a uh, force ghost and mm-hmm. doesn't say anything. Hopefully it's more substantial than that, but I want him to make an appearance yeah. as a force force ghost, if you will, in mm-hmm. the in the ninth movie. Um, and I'd, I'd be surprised if they didn't do that. Yeah, totally. And what I love about his whole arc, really, and, and the choices that he makes, it, like I love... It's it kind of is what I love about this movie overall is that he <clears throat> has such a uh, an inner dilemma because we had the we had the flashback which apparently this is the first movie that had the first Star Wars movie that actually has a flashback instead of like a Force vision or anything right right so we have this flashback where he for a fleeting moment thinks he's going to kill his nephew. Right. Which I know that a lot of people took took offense to that because, you know, Luke Skywalker is not going to murder no no kid. He's been tempted before though. I know, yeah. Shut the hell up. Yeah. God. Yeah. Um it's not my Luke Skywalker. <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah, so uh, like he's tempted to to kill him and like that just shows like how First of all, I hope that that I hope that they run with that in terms of like showing like Kylo just pure evil, just mm-hmm. a freaking monster in the next one. I'm I'm really hoping for that. But yeah, um, what I love about this is that his whole arc, his whole inner turmoil is that he failed, he failed Ben, failed Leia, and failed Han also, um, and he did it knowing that he was Luke Skywalker, this legendary Jedi. And his whole reason, like his whole purpose in this movie is that, um, is that he is embracing that legend. Like that's the mm-hmm. reason why he, why he, uh, does the astral plane thing where he, he yes. goes to the thing. Like the whole purpose was a, to buy them time to escape and also to establish himself as the legendary Jedi Knight. Right, and that gives this what they kept referring to as the spark that ignites the resistance, mm-hmm. and that's what I love about that's what I like. That's the best thing about this entire movie is that Luke Skywalker did that. He's dead now. First of all, fucking beautiful imagery of him, yes, like with the callback to the two sons, yeah, ah, uh, like very cool. So many there are so many shots of this movie that I would I would totally love to like have printed out in high def and frame it and hang it on the wall. Yeah. It's just beautiful, beautiful imagery. Absolutely. Yeah. But, um, what I love about it is that like, that's, that's how the movie ends the movie. And this is also the first episode movie that doesn't end on a Skywalker. Yeah. Um, and what I love about that is that I didn't catch this until the second time I saw the movie, but the kid uses the force to grab the broom. Did you notice that? See, I didn't notice that. Yeah. And I was like floored when I saw it. Um, and I just, that is just such a perfect image to end the movie on because it's just this image of this, this boy looking up the sky after entertaining his friends with the story of Luke Skywalker and the resistance. And like, he's holding the broom, like, like a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. And we see that he has the force. So there are kids that have the force. It's, it's right. such a great moment to end on. Yeah. And, 
and like I was talking about this after the movie, um, that it's almost okay. So it's pretty clear that. I would hope that the movie is going like the next movie is going to take place. There's going to be a fairly significant time jump. I think Mm -hmm. just from the, from the way that the movie ends, we need time to build up the resistance, build up Kylo in the first order and really get him to a point where the final showdown is going to be, is going to be massive. Right. So what I'm thinking, and this is a cynical side of me saying this, but I kind of wonder how much of that, like first I, I love that idea that they'll, if they do a time jump and then we have just uh, a lot more to play with in, in the next movie that's not contingent on following like immediately after this one, like like this one did with The the Force Awakens. But I kind of wonder, the cynic in me kind of wonders if someone at Disney like went to the Lucasfilm, like the Lucasfilm story group who, who basically deal with the story of the Star Wars and they're like, hey – so we want to fill a lot of space with like comics and video games and, and TV shows and stuff. And, you know, the prequels and, and the original trilogy, like we're starting to fill in some places there. You know, can we can we kind of get it jumped a little bit so we get we get some more space to kind of fill in? Yeah, um, I could see that. Yeah, I could. I could easily see that. And I mean, that's kind of a bummer. But it for the finished product of the movie, it it worked. If that was in, if that was the intention, it, it worked for me because. I I'd be very interested in checking out what they would have to say in between these movies. Um, <laughs> um yeah. 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 Uh other subplots, anything else anything else to really talk about? The lightsaber battle with their the lightsaber fight. This is this is also the first Star Wars movie that doesn't have like a traditional lightsaber. It's true. Duel. It's that's um, true. Yeah. Like I mean, the one technically the one duel we have is the the lightsabers never touch right yeah yeah that's I you know I hadn't thought about that yeah yeah but yeah that's a good point um, um I I loved that part me too um just because it, it was it was just the logical logical conclusion for Luke mm. Skywalker and like you said kind of him accepting the legend of who he is yeah um I I agree with that that was all very satisfying and I loved the the two uses of of. Uh, Luke saying uh, early on, uh, Luke's <laughs> when Luke is talking to Ray about the Force, and Ray's like, "Oh, it's this thing that lets you lift things and um, yeah. and gives you special powers." And then he's like, "Impressive." Every word in that sentence was was uh, was not true. Yeah. Um, and then I love like that's a great line and everything, and I I freaking love that he uses it on Kylo at the end. Yes. Like that was that was such a great payoff. Right. Um. Like just ah, oh, and that's so great. And I, I'll be honest, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a Star Wars fan. But I got <laughs> freaking chills when he said it the second time. When he's yeah. like, uh, "The resistance is fine. The First Order will fall, and I'm not going to be the last Jedi." Mm-hmm. And then it shoots over to to Ray lifting the rocks. It's like it, yeah. that's just man. It's the places that this franchise can go is going to be really impressive to see. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Uh, anything else? Nope. Nope. Obviously can't wait for for episode nine. How do you feel about solo? Um, not overly excited for it. Um, but I, I, I'm definitely going to see it. I mean, yeah, I will review it. I hope it's better than rogue one. Um, Mm -hmm. I, have I, you revisited Rogue One? I have, and okay. it it kind of reinforced a lot of my feelings. I just mm. I just don't think it was a very interesting movie. 
And that's fair. Yeah. I thought it was very slow. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. And I, I watched it with Paige, and she didn't. Mm-hmm. She didn't like it at all. Yeah. Um, wow. And yeah, I, I, it's it's certainly not a bad movie at all. Mm-hmm. I think I put it on my. I, I'm almost positive I put it on my top ten. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't pull it off of there. But uh, yeah, I'm just. It's it's low on the totem pole of yeah. of uh, Star Wars movies for me. Interesting. I yeah. I still think it's one of the most visually just beautiful movies. That is Star true. Wars franchise. That is absolutely true. Um, it, is, it is that. Yeah. And rewatching it, I actually enjoyed it quite a bit more. Still can't take the Tarkin thing. I think that's way too uncanny valley. Yeah. But the final like battle on Scarif is is phenomenal to me. Very gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So yeah. So that is our review of the Last Jedi. Oh, also about Solo. Um, does it make you nervous that it, it, are you aware that it's supposed to come out in May in May? Oh, is it really? Yeah. And we're five months out from it and there's no trailer or anything yet. Ew. I don't think it's, I, I don't think it's going to make the May release. Date. I don't think so. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Oh, geez. I didn't realize it either until, uh, one of the fecuses brought it up. After I thought it was movie. like July or August release or, yeah. e- or, e- or even, uh, December. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. Nope. I know they're moving the Star Wars stuff to summers now cause Episode nine is going to come out in June. I think no. Uh, I think episode nine is going to be December twenty. I thought they announced it was 19. a June. It was a June. It was like a, a summer release. No, you might you might be thinking of Solo. Um, episode hmm. nine release date because I want to say it's like December twentieth. Oh, I thought uh, I thought it was a summer release. Nope, December twentieth, twenty nineteen. Well, shit. Yep. Mm hmm. Okay. I think maybe they were originally going to do it. Yeah, I thought they announced I th- it. I think it was actually this one. I think The Last Jedi was going to be summer, and then they pushed it to December. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. anyway yeah, anyways. Yeah. Uh, also, we didn't... This is terrible. We didn't say anything about um, uh, 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 Carrie Fisher in the movie. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's really a shame that that character is not going to have an on-screen goodbye. Mm-hmm. It's that... That's like heartbreaking. It's, yeah, because that's her. Carrie Fisher has had a good career. I think she's been really funny. She's mm-hmm. had some great books that she's written, mm-hmm. um, and she's had some other good roles. But her defining role is Le- Princess Leia. That is, yeah, that is the. That's her. That's that's Carrie Fisher, and it's it sucks that she's not going to have a, a farewell on screen. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, the, this movie was dedicated to her and. In the grand scheme of things, she was much more than just her role as Princess Leia. So you had to kind of balance those two things. And, um, yeah, it's, it's really a shame. And I, you know, not that it necessarily matters, but I'm curious how they're going to write that into the ninth movie that she won't be there. And, um, I think it would be, I would be absolutely shocked if they go the, um, Moff Tarkin. Oh, yeah, there's I, no way. I think they've even yeah. said that there's no way. Okay, I was yeah. gonna say I, I I can't imagine they would do that. So yeah, and that would be maybe as a Force ghost, it would be okay. But yeah, I could see it like a like a Hayden Christensen's Force ghost, not like yeah. having dialogue or anything. Absolutely, yeah. I um, I, I could see that, but uh, other than that, it's it's not going to be a proper farewell. But uh, yeah, and I think that with the possible time jump mm-hmm. um assuming that they jump uh for the for the ninth movie um i mean they could just as easily say like oh she 
just passed away naturally. Right. They can figure something out. Yeah. To write it into the But movie. I just, I read a heartbreaking freaking quote from Ryan Johnson on Wikipedia. Uh, the minute she, he uh, said, quote, the minute she finished, uh, she grabbed me and said, I'd better be at the forefront of nine because Harrison <laughs> was front and center on seven. Marcus front and center on eight. She thought nine would be her movie and it would have been. Oh man. That's such a, that's so depressing. That's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also final thing. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Episode nine was originally scheduled for May 24th, 2019, but was later pushed back to December 20th. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. So, um, kind of final thing. Do you think that, so since this movie, it was so intent on breaking down what was established, not only in, in the force awakens, but the franchise itself, um, it was so intent on breaking that down and starting fresh with something new and, and killing the past. Do you feel like J.J. Uh, uh, Abrams, when going into episode nine, do you think he's going to retcon anything and be like, oh, hey, you know, Ray's parents were actually Obi-Wan and this this space prostitute he had? It's possible, but I I think that's the wrong move. Yeah, me too. If they try to do that, that's, that is the absolute wrong move. Mm-hmm. But I don't think so. I don't think he. No, I don't. I don't. I don't yeah. see that happening. See, the thought that I have is that, you know, I would think that you know the Disney machine and the Lucasfilm story people, like they have it under tight. Like I wouldn't have thought that the director and writer of each movie would have as much leeway as I would assume that Ryan Johnson did to yeah. break down the mysteries that that J.J. Abrams established. I just kind of assume that they had a, figured out the long-term plans and then the directors are just going to come in and do their thing. Oh, okay. Um, so it's just very interesting to be in this, in this world where the directors actually have leeway in, in right. the script. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So we'll see what happens in a couple of years, but yeah. yeah. So that's going to do it for our review of the last Jedi. And uh, yeah, we'll probably be talking about it early in the year. I would think. Probably. What's that? Uh, early in the year for our top tens, maybe. Oh yeah, definitely yeah. gonna make my nice. top ten. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's number one for me at the moment. Oh really? Oh yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Shape of Water comes out this weekend, by the way. Yes, it does. Yeah, yes, it does. There was a brief sidetrack. There was a really terrible review of it. Like, oh really? Like not like, not like. Oh, this is ter- garbage. Like it was a one and a half star, or one like quarter star, or one out of four stars, or something. Yeah. But. Uh, the reviewer, Rex Reed, I don't remember what outlet it was for, but, uh, the headline was something to the effect of, um, Benicio del Toro's The Shape of Water is terrible or something like that. And like, yeah. And like he got parts of the plot just completely wrong. What? And like, it wasn't like he just messed up and just put Benicio del Toro. He put like, it was Benicio del Toro throughout the entire review wow and it said directed by benicio del toro written by benicio del toro which there was also a female co-writer that he didn't decide at all <laughs> and wow. so like that kind of went viral and and people are uh pretty pissed about it and saying like yeah this this outlet should really fire this guy no shit <laughs> yeah um but anyway so yeah so that's our review of the last jedi um we are going to go into potpourri so this is the section of the podcast where we talk about um anything we've watched lately anything we're looking forward to anything we want as long as it smells good to kind of wind down the episode uh potpourri um (laughs) so tiny i have two things you have one thing yes okay we'll sandwich you in between me okay wait 
Um, anyway, um, first thing I have is on my notes that I completely forgot to pull up. Um, the first thing I'm going to bring up for Potpourri is I watched a science fiction movie that I have been, I have not watched before for a long time. And it's much to the consternation of a lot of people I know in my life. Can I guess what it is? Yes. The fifth element. Yes, it is the fifth element. So for literally for years, uh, our friends Molly and Yuri have berated me about watching the fifth element. I think I mentioned this on a previous potpourri. Uh-huh. Uh, they actually bought me the Blu-ray for my birthday <laughs> and I just haven't gotten around to watching it. And like pretty much every day, Molly will give me shit about not seeing the fifth element and Yuri will, will pile on and it's a fun time. Um, <laughs> so basically, um, in the, since we're almost to the end of 2017, it's crunch time. I want to watch as many 2017 movies as I can. Um, so I have rented several movies from Google play. One of those movies is Valerian and the city of a thousand planets, which is Luke Besson's, uh, movie, uh, from this year. Right. So I wanted to watch the fifth element finally. So to kind of prepare for it to, okay. cause I hadn't seen the fifth element before and I'm, I've only seen a couple of Luke Besson's movies, if, maybe only one, the professional. Yeah. But, um, so I wanted to see, I wanted to see it. So, um, <laughs> where to begin? I, I, I had a lot of fun with it. Nice. Yeah. Like I, I had previously tried to watch it before on Netflix and I got like maybe five minutes and I was like, this is kind of a lot more cheesy than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't really getting into it, but when I watched it last night, um, first of all, visually it's, it's magnificent. Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful movie. And, uh, and, uh, like just, um, like, uh, a friend of the show and, and popcorn friend, Karen from, uh, from not another Teen Wolf podcast. She tweeted me and said that she, what she loves about it is she says it's one of her favorite movies ever. She said that it's, uh, she loves the practical effects in it. And like, mm-hmm. there's so much, like it is, this movie is so, intent on just world building and and like i love the universe that it creates and just like the simple things of just everyday things with the like corbin dallas like getting up and getting ready for his day and all of the little machines and stuff that's all practical and just on like on like uh reacting to to what he's pressing and so it's just it's just a wonderful like visual feast yes um and it's 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 so much fun. It's it's such a blast. Um, Chris Tucker is way over the top. Yeah, and like borderline, like infuriatingly annoying. But kind of perfect. Too. But kind of perfect too. Yeah, for that like, character. Yeah. yeah, and like it was it was a blast. Like I was sitting here watching it, and I checked how much time I had left. I'm like, I only have 20 minutes of this movie left, and like I wanted to live in it more. I yeah. wanted to be in this world more. <laughs> Um, it's you're making, just, you're making me want to watch it. Yeah, it was, it was so much fun. Yes. Um, so I'm glad that I finally got a chance to watch it and I'm going to, uh, make a very, uh, big effort to watch as many 2017 movies as I can, uh, in the next week. So I have a more well-rounded top 10 at the beginning of the year. So that's my project for the next, uh, week and a half. Nice. Yeah. I'm glad you liked it. I, 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 I describe it the same way. It's just a fun mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's and, o- over the top and can't be where it needs to be. Absolutely. And yeah. just the detail. It's like very, it's very detailed and like, it's just, it, it's just really, it feels like such a well-realized world. Yes. In vision. It's, it's great. And it makes me more excited to check out Valerian. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Um, so Tony, what do you got? 
Um, my entry for the week, uh, being that it's uh, Christmas here in a few days, uh, my wife and I watched um, the Fox rendition of uh, Fox's rendition of A Christmas Story Live. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that movie, um, A Christmas Story. It's um, I feel like a lot of people in the that's mostly like a Midwest kind of movie because it takes yeah. place in Indiana and like hmm. it's not as big of a deal in like California or on the East Coast or anything apparently which I, I wasn't aware of because when I was a kid that was our Christmas movie like mm-hmm. my my dad loves the comedy in that movie and he really instilled that in my brother and I and it's just we would watch it every year and I just we just love the the comedic tropes of that movie and so um, now for me personally, that it's, it's been supplanted by Christmas vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife and her family, that was their movie. Nice. Um, and, and I had, I had liked Christmas vacation before I met Paige and it was already mm-hmm. becoming my favorite Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's even more so, um, even more so since I've met her and, and mm-hmm. like her family quotes it year round. Nice. It's it's one of those things. That's awesome. Um, so I was very intrigued by the whole notion of a live performance of it. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, it was it was a play, like a musical play, and that's what this is, I guess. Okay. I really didn't even research it, and I don't I don't know much about <laughs> it. Um, but um, they did this this live musical version of a Christmas story. Um, and it was a little goofy. It was kind of weird. Um, I think the phrase ill-conceived is too strong of a word or too harsh of a word, but, Mm -hmm. um, not, not really well-conceived. I'll put it that way. Um, it's just kind of weird that the the music for me, the music really didn't work. I, none of the music got stuck in my head at all. I wasn't singing along to any of it. Um, although some of it was sort of clever, like there's a song they sing when the kid sticks his pull, his tongue to the flagpole. There's a song they sing called sticky situation. Hmm. It's kind of clever, kind of fun, but it just wasn't, wasn't that great of a song. Um, and there's this, there's, there's a song that's, uh, it's the thread throughout the whole movie and they sing it three or four times. And it's about, you know, this, this is my chance for the, this is my chance to fulfill my wish for the, to get the BB gun and like Christmas is my chance and I've only got so many days left. And it just, it just really wasn't that interesting, the music. Ooh. So I was really bummed with that. Um, however, I was utterly fascinated by, uh, the production of the show. It was really impressive. Um, live TV has kind of become a bit of a, doing a live version of a show has mm-hmm. become sort of a fad. I don't know. I know like 30 rock did it a couple times. Yeah. I think there's some other shows that did it once or twice. Yeah. ER did it once. That was kind ER. of the big, like a, yeah. But is this more like a stage production? Sort of. Thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That seems like that's, that's really intriguing to me. Cause it seems yeah. like a callback to like sixties and seventies. Exactly. Era, like variety shows and, Right. Things like that. It's had a bit of a resurgence. And mm-hmm. so the this production was three hours. I mean, with commercials, it was three hours. Jeez. And so I was utterly fascinated with their ability to switch between settings and mm-hmm. 
all of the, you know, one of the funniest parts of the movie is where he has these fantasies about getting an A plus on his paper and, right. um, you know, shooting some bad guys in the backyard with his BB gun. Mm-hmm. They put those fantasies into this live production. Nice. So think about the logistics of mm-hmm. going from a classroom into a fantasy where you're in someone's head and they're having a dream. Like that's the logistics of that are extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. And so they, after the, the production was over, they showed some kind of behind the scenes of how they pulled some of this stuff off. Mm-hmm. And there's a point where Ralphie's dad, where he's talking about winning his award, he sings a song about winning the award, the lamp, uh, the leg lamp. Mm-hmm. And they put him onto a mobile platform and do a close up of his face and they move him to a completely other side of the studio and change his outfit. Jeez. And I was like, holy shit, just the logistics of it yeah. were just really impressive. That's so nuts. all of that stuff I was I was so intrigued by. They created mm-hmm. a town they built a whole town square Dang. where they filmed some of the stuff and they used fake snow that looked really convincing. Nice. I just really enjoyed the production and uh set design and logistics of the show. I was mm-hmm. really impressed by all that and I enjoyed it. Um and it tapped into a lot of nostalgia. Um they they played to a lot of the same jokes and they still added in some uh I think there's a book originally, isn't there? Um I think so. I think there's a book. Yeah. And I feel like they they took a few more stories from the book. Okay. Um and put them into this this production. So I I think it was really fun and I, I enjoyed a lot of it, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure that I necessarily care to see it again or I was, sure. um, I don't necessarily recommend it as like, oh man, you gotta see it. Cause I think mm. there's a lot of people who might not appreciate those things. Right. Um, but I, I, I certainly give the production team and, and the performers um, a ton of credit for what they pulled off. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even a part where, um, what's her name? Uh, the female lead, she's from SNL. I can't think of her name. Um, she flubs. She flubbed a line, mm-hmm. and she she's like, "You got to," uh, and she just completely flubbed her line. And the guy who played the husband mm-hmm. completely just like saved her and turned it into like a little joke between a husband and wife. That's so awesome. And I was like, you know, I love movies and TV shows, but like, you have to. I, I completely respect the art of a live performance. And yeah. part of a live performance is accepting that mistakes are going to happen and being able to roll with those mistakes and incorporate them into your performance. Mm-hmm. And seeing that, I was like really blown away that like that is such an incredible skill to have to roll with the punches that way and, yeah. and just, you know, make the mistakes part of the show. Um, I, I was really impressed with that. Um, Matthew Broderick also plays like the narrator, oh, like the nice. gr- grown up Ralphie. And I think he was a phenomenal choice for that. Nice. I'm not a huge fan of his. I mm. think he's great with certain things. Um, and this is one of the things that he was a great choice for. So, um, it's, it's kind of fun. If you happen to catch it, mm. you know, give it a watch. Um, but it, it was, nice. it was a little clunky and just kind of a sort of an off the wall idea for a show. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I I, st- I still enjoyed it quite a bit. Nice. And was that was it? My My Rudolph. My Rudolph. Yes. Yeah. That's who it was. Yeah. Yep. Um. Oh, that's that's cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Like like seeing like live performances like mm-hmm. like like in theater like I've I've seen a few plays in my day. Right. It's it's really impressive. Right. Um. 
just it's it's really impressive to see just the energy of of mm-hmm. everyone working together and stuff. You can't just cut and take a break. You know? Exactly, got to roll with it. Right. You can't you can't just like pause the recording. You know, take a piss twice. <laughs> right. The recording. Exactly. Um, <laughs> But anyway, that that's interesting. Yeah. Do you think you'll see any more of like live stuff that they do? Like I don't know. Yeah. Depending that's on a good question. Yeah. I think I it might be kind of fun to see a classic like a Christmas Carol. Oh, that'd be cool. Done live. That would be that would be nice. kind of cool. But uh but yeah, I I'd be certainly be open to it. I'm I'm a sucker for anything Christmassy, so mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. Uh cool. Uh so to round up Popery, this is gonna be kind of brief because tiny i saw on twitter that you started watching this or i think you're a few episodes in um maybe we could do like a bonus review but that's what is it it it's been out for a couple months stranger things too yes i'm about halfway through the second season nice okay i finished it last night nice and i watched the beyond stranger things after show okay okay so stranger things too um, without spoiling anything, obviously, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it took a little bit to really pick up steam. I felt like the first, honestly, probably the first four or five, maybe even six episodes were kind of just like, it felt like there wasn't that much momentum. Agree. Yeah. But there was such a focus on the characters and, and where they're at now and their interactions and interacting with other characters that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Yes. Um, that I, I was still invested in it throughout that time. Now, there is a moment in the second season or an episode of the second season that I'm just like, this is completely superfluous. I, I was, I was kind of angry about it. Yeah. Have you gotten to that episode yet? I'm not sure what you're talking about. No, you haven't yet. Okay. Then. Um, you'll know it. You'll know it. Okay. Um, that, that bugged me for a lot of reasons, but we'll get to that, uh, eventually at some point, but, um, yeah, that and but but by the end of it, I was really just wrapped up in it. I mean, it's such a great a great show. There there's some new characters in it that I think really work well in in the show. Uh, Sean Astin in particular as yeah. Bob, like my God, that character is such a delight. Like mm-hmm. he's he's such a dorky yeah. a dorky guy that I just I I I love it. I I love his his performance and and I love his uh is that that character that character is great um and I, lo- I love how the show is just like yeah we're 80s as fuck deal with it yeah. because they cast winona Ryder, paul riser mm-hmm. uh matthew modine and sean astin like right huge 80s icons yeah and they, they don't even care they're just like yeah apparently sean astin uh sent a tape Oh like, really? Sent tape to, to audition. Like, That's great. It's not like they sought him out or anything. Yeah. And I guess they were kind of hesitant to to uh, to have him to have him in the show because they didn't want to draw focus from it, being like, oh, Samwise. That's um, funny. Yeah, but it's. I love it. Yeah, it's yeah. it's great, and I I don't know if I like it as much as I like the first season. I like some of the dynamics a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, but having said that. I think the thing that I love most about Stranger Things overall is that it's it's not that it's this huge love letter to the 80s. It's not that it's this huge genre uh genre show that pays homage to classics and and to to big moments and and things like uh one of our listeners Robert who's a Patreon subscriber for uh, Anthology, he pointed out that he equates season one to Alien and season two to Aliens. Nice. And like as soon as he said that, I was like, 
Oh my, f- that's, that's perfect. That's a great analogy. They even have Paul Reiser. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's perfect. It's perfect. Um, and then, yeah. And like the best, but the best thing about the show isn't that, isn't, isn't any of that. It's the, it's, it's like we're watching these child actors. It's, it feels like each one of them, it feels like we're starting, we're, we're witnessing the beginning of a very long career for each of them. Absolutely. Because they give such incredible performances. They do. Um, fantastic. And then some of the other new characters, I, I love the, uh, the wrinkle that the character of Max brings to the dynamic of the, yeah. the group. Um, and then also, uh, Dacre Montgomery, who plays Billy, uh, the douchey, the mullet guy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've ever hated a character more. Right. <laughs> like, oh my God. It's just, it's, it's so infuriating. He's awful, but you want to see more of him kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was really, it was really frustrating. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and. I'll, I'll have to talk to you tiny more about it after you finish the series yes. the season, but yeah. And then to kind of go off uh, onto uh beyond stranger things, um, it's this after show, you know, after shows have become kind of the, the trendy thing to do. Yeah. And I'm never really a big fan of them just because I would rather listen to a podcast where people are actually critiquing it and actually, you know, yes. critic like, like, uh, analyzing it in a more, in a more objective way. And cause like, like talking dead, like I, I, I like Chris Hardwick, but I don't even watch walking dead anymore. But when I did, I stopped watching talking dead. Cause it's like, okay, we're just, we're just, uh, jerking off. Yes. <laughs> There's no depth at yeah, all. Exactly. Yeah. And this is kind of the same <laughs> cause it's just, I mean, it's, it's what you, what you would expect. But what I love about it is that this is like stranger things is a Netflix series and what Beyond Stranger Things does, it's very digestible, 20 minutes, 20, 15 to 20 minute episodes. I think there's only like six or seven. Um, and it's all, it's all spoiler filled. So you, you have to watch it after you watch the entire series, season. Okay. But each episode has different members of the cast and crew or cast and, 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 uh, producers and the Duffer Brothers and just the converse. And it's hosted by Jim Rash also, which oh, is nice. a delight. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, the conversations that they have just are so like, it just makes you feel like, man, all of these people, they work so well together and they're, they have, they have such a good, uh, chemistry with each other that it's just, it's more enjoyable to just watch them chat about the show. Nice. And then they give a little tidbits about behind the scenes stuff and they show like little clips from behind the scenes and maybe not clips, but just like videos of behind the scenes. Um, and that's, that's refreshing to me because Netflix shows, they don't, ever really have like blu-ray releases that have extensive special features or anything like that like right. i think they have like some of the shows have releases but they maybe maybe they'll have a commentary track or two but they don't have any special features so this after show is kind of like the bonus features for stranger things too uh, and i kind of like it for that okay um yeah but very digestible i, I watched it all in one go pretty much Okay, um, cool. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's on Netflix. And I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of The Obsessive Viewer. Totally. Um, yeah, I think we're going to take the week off next week. Okay. Um, cause we got to do some catch up on Tower Junkies and also, you know, Christmas and New Year's, all that stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. So we might have something for the Patreon feed though. So, you know, check that out, which you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. Um, every patron, if you, if you, uh, you pledge dollar or more, uh, you get access to the special, uh, 
Patreon exclusive feed that I'll be filling with film commentaries and maybe some B-roll from recording. I don't know. Okay. So, yeah. So, anyway, uh, yeah, that'll about do it. Anything else, Tony? Uh, I don't think so. All right. Well, Merry Christmas, guys. Merry Christmas. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. If you'd like to support the show, the best and easiest way is to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. More ratings and reviews means it'll be easier for people to find the show in the highly competitive film and TV podcast genre. It also provides us with valuable feedback on the show. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a one-time PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate or become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer for recurring donations with different reward tiers. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, notebooks, phone cases, and more, visit our Tee Public store. You can also buy other great Tee Public designs in our store, and we'll get a small commission on the sale. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlight from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. We love to hear from you guys. You can contact us by emailing podcast at obsessiveviewer.com or by tweeting us at obsessiveviewer, at obsessivetiny, and at I am Mike White. You can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer where you can take part in discussions and polls between episodes. For more podcast content, check out Anthology, Matt's solo podcast, where he's reviewing The Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer and exploring other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows. You can find Anthology at anthologypod.com and anywhere podcasts are found. For book lovers, you can check out our sister site at obsessivebooknerd.com for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.